Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Today on the show, we are joined by television writer, comedian, Bigfoot hunter, and podcast host, Andrew Sanford. Hot on the heels of the exciting news of signatures of alien life possibly being detected on Venus, we are taking a look at two movies that ask the questions, are we alone? And if not, how can we make contact? Although... These movies couldn't be any more diametrically opposed with how they decide to answer these questions. First up, we look at 1996's The Arrival. Best line of the movie, Zane says, actually, I look like a can of smashed assholes. (laughs) And then we jump ahead 20 years to 2016's Arrival. The movie is sad because it's so hopeful. When the movie came out, it felt more within grasp. Um, but I, I like uh, since then, I've just gone further away from, from that kind of hopefulness, what humanity is capable of. And like, don't get me wrong, it was humanity under extreme circumstances. But you know, we're in pretty fucking extreme circumstances right now, and we're not doing great. It is a roller coaster of emotions as we navigate our way through both films in all their amazing and ridiculous glory. You have arrived to the arrivals. Welcome everyone to a very special episode of Summer in the Skies. Today we are joined by one of my best friends, colleagues, and just all around awesome dude, Andrew Sanford is joining us for an epic movie showdown between 1996's The Arrival and 2016's Arrival. Andrew, how you doing, buddy? Ryan! Hello, hello. I'm happy to be here for the... Oh, God, how many... I'm trying to think of the amount of movies we've talked about, like because we've got... We've talked about It on here. Yep. We, we talked did. about um, Fire in the Sky. We talked about... Communion. The other... Sky, communion? Fuck, I forgot about Communion. Yeah. <laughs> how could you forget that one? Man? I don't know. Well, what was the other um, one we did? Um, um, the other, the other sky one, the gritty oh, skies, dark skies, dark skies, dark skies. Ooh, yeah. gritty, gritty skies. I want to see that movie. Gritty skies. <laughs> it sounds like an early uh, Oliver Stone movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's gritty skies. It's just the that um uh, uh hockey mascot. Gritty. Oh. Or is that his name? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm happy to be here. I'm thrilled to be here to talk to you, to talk about these movies. 
It's going to be great. It'll be fun. It'll be emotional. It'll be um, mm-hmm. traumatizing and everything. Yes. Yeah. I and mean, then we'll talk about the movies. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if, if anyone can't tell, Andrew is a comedy writer. Boom. Ooh. Oh, nah. Nah. <laughs> so what's been going on in your world uh, during this continued lockdown of the world? Are you uh, staying busy? I have a feeling we're going to have a creative renaissance after this is all done. I, I friggin' hope so, man. Yeah, I've, it's, I've absolutely, I think that staying busy is a perfect way to put it. I've been just trying to write as much as humanly possible until I run out of ideas, which luckily hasn't happened yet working on uh, a, a pilot with a like a project pilot thing with an old teacher and good friend of mine um, which I'm very excited about uh, or just wrote another pilot on my own which was something that I just wanted to like get out there um, just trying to you know make sure that I don't like it to use my free time well because while New York is not the uh, war zone slash hellscape that some people have tried to claim that it is anymore. <laughs> right. Um, even though, I mean, I, I don't have to tell you, things were rough there for a couple months. We talked Ooh. about that last time we talked. But, you know, things have gotten a lot better, but it's still not like, you know, I'm not riding the subway every day or I'm not hopping around all over the place. And, uh, like, I, as far as my day jobs are concerned, none of that has come back yet. So I'm just trying to make sure that I stay productive and stay sane and watch movies my wife and i watch a movie almost almost like uh, almost every day if not every other day we'll just like all right it's dinner time let's watch a movie and at first it was like a fun like oh we'll try to like watch more movies this way and as we're in month six now it's been like all right can we not watch a movie tonight (laughs) (laughs) it's a real champagne problem it is right and i mean i watched i think all six seasons of Lost within like a two week span. So wow. I will never get that time back. But um no, <laughs> no, no, no. I love Lost. It's my third time mm. watching it all the way through. And uh um I, I'm the same way, you know, it's like a movie a night or ten episodes of the office for the one millionth time. But Oh dude, same. Yeah, yeah. It's comforting. And I think that's why a lot of people mm-hmm. watch these shows, Parks and Rec, yeah. The Office, over and over. Yep. I, I, you know, I, I put it on to go to sleep because you, yep. you know what comes next and it's comforting. And God forbid, like, we feel some sense of, you know, normalcy or comfort during mm-hmm. these uncertain times. So, yeah. No, no yeah. I, uh, I, at the beginning of this, watched through 30 Rock. Um, And now recently, my wife, Joy, has been watching it for the first time, like watching through it. She's seen like episodes here and there. But yeah, and I was just like, oh, cool. I'll pop in whatever, whenever or what have you, because I've seen that show just a bunch. It's one of my favorites of all time. And instead, I'm just I'm constantly just like, oh, you put on 30 Rock. I'll stop what I'm doing and come right over here. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just you're right. It's it's something it hits a little part of my brain where I'm just like, hey, you want to feel good for like 25 minutes? Uh, yeah yeah i know man i mean and i'm the next one on my list is uh this new show on netflix called away with uh hillary swank and it's about them going to mars for the first time the first man 
or womaned, I guess, uh, ex, you know, expedition to Mars. So has sure. a lot to do with what we're going to be talking about today. Um, yeah. But I got to ask you, before we get to these mm-hmm. two movies, the latest news that broke this week as of us recording this is um, on Monday, scientists, scientific researchers published showings of phosphine a possible signature of life present in the atmosphere of Venus. What do you think of this, man? Did you, uh, did you wake up to this news just as surprised as the rest of us? I was totally surprised. I think I saw somebody put it perfectly, which is that like, cause I even got like a little Apple alert on my phone. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Apple news of just like signs of life discovered on Venus. And it's just this quick, like your heart palpitates a little bit. You're like, it's, it's, it's very exciting. But then when I looked into it, I was like, I don't know what this means. I'm going to wait until Thursday for Ryan to explain it. (laughs) Um, So I kind of like stayed away from it. So what do, as someone who I'm sure looked into it much more than I, did what do you think well it's exciting i mean a lot of you know it's not the aliens are on venus that we're all hoping for or ever expected i mean venus was not a planet that most scientists ever thought could harbor life it's so damn hot that it would be impossible for anything to really Mm -hmm. live there according to our standards and our you know uh carbon makeup as it were so i mean it wasn't somewhere they were looking but lo and behold they they found these gases floating in the clouds in the atmosphere there, and uh, they believe that there are signatures of phosphine, which shouldn't exist there. And the scientists are completely dumbfounded and uh, surprised, and just like we are, they're like, "What the f?" Like we we we've been searching for life elsewhere in other galaxies, but we never thought we would find it in our own solar system. So, hey, look, it's early stages, but it's exciting nonetheless. And it shows that, you know, just because we don't think it could exist or thrive somewhere else uh, because of how we were evolved and all of that uh, doesn't mean it can't exist. So this is pretty exciting. I'll add this. NASA, they... uh, they have an extensive astrobiology program that is always searching for life. And um, Mm -hmm. they were quoted on this story as saying, um, you know, we look for life in many different ways across the solar system and beyond. Over the past two decades, we've made new discoveries that collectively imply a significant increase of the likelihood to find life elsewhere. I'll add this too. As with an increasing number of planetary bodies, Venus is proving to be an exciting place of discovery. And uh, there are missions now uh, going to Venus to try to capture this man, see if we can get any more information. And it is possible. Well, that's, Venus, how, that's how some horror movies start. Uh, um. yep. <laughs> yep. And hey, look, we have brought back things from Mars or uh, you know various other places where there have been signs of life. So it's a little creepy, man. I mean, you know, that Mm -hmm. stuff breaks free and gets out. That's how you have, like you said, these Michael Crichton stories popping up. That's right. So it kind of leads into what we're going to be talking about today, the possibility of alien life and the possibility of making contact. So we're going to start with 1996's The Arrival, directed by David Toohey. Station 5. Is my voice even vaguely familiar to you, Zane? I really don't want a repeat of last week. Look, if I say I'm going to be there, I will be there. End of story. There is nothing more important to me right now than that. Zane. Zane. 
searching for ETs in this political environment is a tough sell. I come to you with the possibility of extrasolar life. I can't for it. They're acting like it never happened. It's like we never gave him any tape. first signal definitely sky-based but this one is earth-based something's going on here Sean. what is it that they're trying to hide it's a troubled young man why are you telling them lies about me i want my tape back i want it back they've branded his theory paranoid there are some dot guys here going through our stuff i don't know who these guys are but i do know that they're lying to you and the only ones who believe what's coming if they're not here now they will be soon posing are the ones who've already arrived Right now, as much as you think you know, you don't know the half of it. Why did they leave? They didn't. How do you know? Because we aren't dead yet. Stop watching the skies. I know why they're here. Start watching Look Back. Charlie Sheen, Ron Silver, The Arrival. Like I said, Z, you didn't know the half of it. Now, before we get to the premise of this movie, Andrew, David Tui, do you know anything about this guy? I don't. I saw that it was written and directed by, and I didn't didn't dig too much deeper. I I feel like I almost did. Um, This was one... Uh, I'll get into my watching experience of both of these movies in a minute, but um, uh, yeah, I didn't, but I, you know, anybody who's able to write and then direct or direct a movie that they wrote is a hard enough thing to be given. Anyway, you have to have at least usually some sort of a proven track record, unless you're Madonna. Um, But (laughs) And that is not even, that is like half a joke. That's really happening. I know. Um, uh, but so I was kind of, in, in, I was like, oh, somebody wrote and directed this. Interesting. Um, what, 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 do you, what do you know about him? All right. Well, talk about a track record. You ready for this? David Tui. Sure. He wrote mm-hmm. Pitch Black, G.I. Oh, Jane. Oh, so after this then. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, what else? Waterworld. You're going to like these last two though, Andrew. Wait a minute. <laughs> you think that's bad? Wait, wait for this. I think you like this movie, if I can, if I remember correctly. The Fugitive. He wrote The Fugitive. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Fine. You know what? I yes, I love that. It's <laughs> a great movie. And last but not least, he wrote Critters Two. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So yeah, he's okay. no slouch, man. Wow. I was about to say it does not surprise me because I think Fugitive probably would have been a couple of, like probably two or three years before this went into production. Mm-hmm. And he was, I'm sure a hot property after that, that movie blew up. It was huge, huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the, um, the cast here before the premise, we've got pre insane, crazy version of this man. We've got Charlie Sheen, Lindsay, who is, was my same age when he made this movie, which really, yes, he was 31 years old. Unless I read that incorrectly, he was born in 1965. And when I read that he was 31 years old, I was like, I don't know if he looks bad or if I look great. Because <laughs> I, like, 
Dude, trust me, the older you get, the more of those existential uh, comparisons you'll start to make. Yeah, or or vice versa. I was like, maybe he looks great and I look bad. Because at first, at one point, Ron, um, Ron Silver calls him a young man. And I was like, Charlie Sheen's like 45 years old in this movie. And then I looked it up and I was like, <laughs> oh god don't remind me man uh who else we got lindsey krauss um who i'm not lindsey krauss yes who's she i i looked her up because i thought that was char at first but it's not it's the green woman because and she's had a pretty expensive career um not this not that this defines her but she was married to david mamet for a while oh um and, and yeah and has like a bit like that's a heavy her and richard schiff both being in this movie, those are, and Rod Silver. There's some heavy hitters actor-wise in this movie. Yeah, there are. I know. What a great cast. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, besides our main protagonist, which we'll get to, uh, pretty w- damn well acted, in my opinion. They really gave their all. Yeah, yeah no, everybody, I, there's definitely something to be said for the fact that, like, everybody was taking the movie seriously. Yes. Um, which always helps, whether <laughs> good or bad. <laughs> you want people to, like, especially when it comes to like heavier themes. Um, and it's also something where I would wonder because the movie was uh, ironically enough too, especially because um, having Ron Silver, who was at the time a Democrat, but the movie is very liberal um, and yeah. progressive in its message. It's talking about climate change. They take a shot at the NRA at one point. They say global warming at a time when I was like, this is 1996. Like you didn't, if you talk about global warming, you got laughed off. Like, I mean, there was some of that talk was happening, but like it wasn't, you know, that was, I would almost call it like just as fringe of a belief as like believing in aliens. Right. It was, it was definitely this, this premise and overall theme of this movie was definitely, I think, ahead of its time. Um, And a lot of people have compared this and the other movie we're going to talk about to, uh, you know, the groundbreaking film uh, Contact, you know. Oh, sure. And very similar sort of premise, but this movie came two years prior to that. So, I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. They were kind of pioneering this idea of the uh, making contact with aliens via the actual way in reality that we are trying to do that. And that's through, you know, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, SETI, uh, trying to look for radio wave transmissions or stuff like that. So... I think, you know, again, original idea at the time. Yes, we've had many movies throughout the decades of trying to make contact with aliens and this and that. But, um, you know, right. I, I, and even before this film, we had My Stepmother is an Alien, which deals with a very similar way of contacting aliens. And it's funny you mentioned contact coming because I would think of contact being um, both quality and like kind of in the middle of both of these movies. I actually saw contact for the first time this summer. I had never seen oh, that wow. movie. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, yep, just had never seen it. And I watched it and I was like, oh, like, there's plenty, like, there's a lot of it that's really good. And, and a lot of, like, you know, there's some stuff that hasn't aged, like, super well. Um, but one thing that that movie has over both of these is that it has Jake Busey in it. And I, I don't get enough, I don't get enough Jake Busey in my life. Um, oh, man. Could you imagine <laughs> Jake Busey was in this movie with Charlie Sheen? It oh. Off the charts. It would have been so good. Like, I, I, hey, I'll throw a pitch out. I would have rather had Jake Busey in it instead of Charlie Sheen. Uh, <laughs> Let's do it. Retroactive movie. Yeah. Go. yeah, right? Yeah, we'll do one of those deep fake things. They've got basically the same kind of haircut. 
what is going on with his haircut? I don't want to like, listen, listen, it was 1996. There's a lot of different, but I was like, I don't understand this man's weird, like the buzz cut. It's almost like a haircut that like started as a buzz cut. It's like if you take long hair and make it a buzz cut, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's not a close, close cut. It's just, it's, it was an odd look for him. Somebody who was, and who knows, maybe this still would have been the case, but I feel, you know, Charlie Sheen was a bit of a sex symbol for a while. And to oh, see him like that. this, to see him like this, I was like, huh. I was like, maybe they're trying to dumb him down because he is a, what would his protect, um, exact title be? Like a radio astrologer or astronomer? Astronomer, yep, exactly. It's just astronomer, but wasn't that, I feel like he added some extra qualification because he's an astronomer that's looking for sound waves. He's not looking for like constellations or anything. Right, right. They all add, you know, credits, uh, all these sure, scientists sure. that they are. But, um, you know, the official synopsis calls him a radio astronomer. I, I don't know. Gotcha. Um, he's not an astrobiologist or astrophysicist or anything of that sort. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I would just go with radio astronomer. Gotcha. Let's not, let's not Speaking of that, do you want me to read the synopsis? Yes. Or the, or the, yeah. Let's do it. So we have The Arrival. Zane, an astronomer, discovers intelligent alien life, but the aliens are keeping a deadly secret and will do anything to stop Zane from learning it. Love it. Love it. Let's dive right in, man. I want to sure. talk about this opening scene because I actually love this hook. Like, this is like the cold open you'd see on the X-Files or, um, sure. you know, the Outer Limits or something. We yeah, the, 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 whole, the whole thing felt very, like, he makes a Tales from the Dark Side reference at one point. Yeah, And did. the whole story felt, felt very much like that to me, it like did. a longer episode. Yep, it did. It did. It felt like it could have been, uh, you know, shaved down to 45 minutes and called it a day. But uh, right. they stretched this thing out to almost two hours. Jesus Christ. Um. Well, right. and oh, I mean, it was even more than that because I watched it for free on Blue Oh, God. So you got all And it had commercials. Oh, my God. It was like, I, I think I was texting you at like two. It's like, what, what time? It's like 3.45 right now. I was texting you at 2.45, having mm-hmm. pretty much just finished this movie oh, because I God. started it at around like noon. And, I, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, because I wanted it to be fresh because I had never seen it before. Um, so you're going to have plenty to say, then. You're gonna oh, boy. Well, let's talk, about the, um, let's talk about the opening yeah, scene. Yeah, let's talk about the opening. Sure. Uh, this woman um, who we learn is mm-hmm. uh, Ilana Green. Mm-hmm. She is a uh, climatologist. And sure. she is in a field uh, taking photos, picking out some some poppies, a poppy field, as it were. And uh, mm-hmm. and then we get the line, it shouldn't be here, which is like, OK, why? And then what do we do? Do a super zoom out. And she's mm-hmm. like the tundra, the Antarctic or yeah. something like that, which, yep. whoa, when I didn't remember that opening scene, because I saw this movie when it first came out or was put on VHS. And um mm-hmm. I don't remember this opening scene having as much impact, probably because I was too young to understand what global warming sure. and climate change actually was. Because like you said, it wasn't taken seriously back then. Um, so when they zoomed out and it was in the Antarctic and I watched it this time, I'm just like, holy shit, we are living this right now. Like look yeah. at San Francisco, look at everything, all these horrible things going on in the world uh, environmentally and 
Uh, it was terrifying. So in that yeah. scene, I think the message of this movie, which we will get to, is very vital. Um, just Yeah, man. Yeah, it was one of those things where I, I, I really liked that opening hook and then was just like, oh, cool. So they're going to be going up the Arctic, huh? No. Nope. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just like, uh, we'll show you that. Give you no, at least unless I missed something, there's no real explanation as to, She's in the middle of Antarctica when they pull back. Right. How? How? How, <laughs> How did she get all the way out there? She's got no, like, I, I was just kind of flabbergasted by that. I was like, this is a cool hook. But then it, like, the whole the whole movie to me kind of rested on some of these ideas that are, like, fun to present and then have, like, no follow-up or no, like, really, like, there's there's stuff about it later. Like, if you think about it for more than two seconds, it makes no sense. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the logic <laughs> of this movie is just... It's a, all over the place. It's all over. Um, and we'll hit some of those plot points for sure. Sure. Um, all right. So then we get our opening titles. All right. Sorry. <laughs> God, I'm going to be doing this so much tonight. The Arrival. Right. There we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we meet... Uh, we meet Zane and we meet Kelvin, the uh, the yep. odd couple of radio astronomy. <laughs> and uh, I, I, yeah, now that, that that signal comes, so they're they're doing the radio astronomy biz. Yep. They have happened what anyone in their position only dreams of, right? Oh, like absolutely. that's their their life's mission is to find something like this to happen. And the way they react felt like they were reacting to like, like their favorite song just came on the radio or something like that. <laughs> push you know record, what push I mean? Record. Yeah, they were just like, yeah, woo, woo. Like they just, it was, it seemed like such a strange. I was like, guys, you should be like, I, 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 I cry at the drop of a hat. So I don't assume that everybody should just be like in tears. But I'm like, this is what you wanted. This is yeah. what you've been working your whole life towards. Like, and it's happening right now. And it just kind of like, it's not even like, it's like a stunned reaction. I mean, Richard Schiff pees on his shoes a little bit. Um, <laughs> but there's like, aside from that, I'm just like, guys, this is like, this is it. And they're just like, yeah, okay, record, record. Like, and they get it and then it stops. And they're like, oh man, all right. Gotta go talk to Ron Silver like the next day. Like it just. Yeah. <sighs> my, here's my argument to that. Um mm-hmm. And I'm not defending their acting choices or anything. Um, right. From a character standpoint, I'm thinking, you know, yes, they they wait for this their whole life, but they get so mm-hmm. many like, false positives when it comes sure. to stuff, you know. And I've sure. I've spoken Fair to enough. actual people who worked at SETI, and dude, like, yeah, they get little small blips here and there um, constantly, and then their job is to either figure out what it actually was, and it's usually always a radio wave or television wave bouncing back right. at us, um, you know, from our, you know, what? retracted. I retract my criticism of that. Then. So they're, they're trained to kind of keep cool when these things do happen. In, in my opinion, I think that's what was going on in the scene is they're like, okay, we need to follow protocol. Like just make sure it's recording, make sure this um, let's deduce this. Uh, so that's kind of how I took it. I also think Charlie Sheen is just a terrible actor, but we will get to that. Uh, but- yeah. But you do make a good point. Like, okay, we're dropped into this movie where for uh, probably for most of their careers, this has never happened. And then, of course, the minute the film drops us in there, it happens, which is, you know, that's right. what movies and plays are. We're of dropped course. into the lives of these people at the most mm-hmm. pivotal moment of their lives. And this is probably right. it. 
So, um, yeah, so they get this message and they are not sure what the hell to make of it. It's this really weird radio wave signal audio. And like you said, they, they're super excited. They get all of the data down, this, that, this, that. And um, they're trying to call other you know, radio astronomers throughout the country to make sure someone else heard this. And, and they can't get a hold of anyone, which I thought was kind of weird. Like there's got to be somebody else out there hearing this or listening right to or right you're just telling me every university or astronomer is asleep right now while this is happening <laughs> you know what though at least they do the due diligence to say like oh tried reaching out to this person they didn't answer oh this person didn't answer either so i'm like okay at least they answered that question of just like why is no one else hearing this but yeah it is kind of silly for that answer to be like they're asleep because <laughs> we're the only ones uh that are taking this seriously like so it's just yeah yeah um i, I, I think we, you know rewinding a little bit too before they get the message i think we have to um we have to give them credit for this they show how fucking boring it is for these people yes like they're just yes. waiting uh calvin is asleep uh dreaming mm-hmm. and then we've got we've got zane whose girlfriend calls him and says when are you coming home like I like this is her exact line. I want your ass in bed. <laughs> That's what she says. To yes, me. yes. Which, uh, we'll get yes. to more of that uh, moving. Uh, oh, I mean, again. some of the some of the dialogue is. I one of my one point she says to him, uh, "Put your paranoia back in your pants," and I was just like, <laughs> oh, "Okay." Oh, like, I, dude, some... I got direct quotes written down. Where these are gonna yeah. be, yeah. So, okay, so this message they get, it's like 45 seconds long. And like you mentioned, uh, they bring it to their boss at uh, JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California. And, dude, this place has like a super strong mythology within um, UFO world and uh, the occult world as well. Um, The dude who started JPL was working with like, weird satanists and occultists before he started this company um what really weird like like really like proven like that oh god yes yes wow if you go back i think it was even um on drunk history when they covered they covered like the beginnings of nasa and jet jpl and they did cover this um oh god I, the guy's name is escaping me right now, but he was big into occultism in America, Amazing. in New York City. And the guy who started JPL was like in this weird love triangle with this guy and his wife. And they did all these weird sex Whoa. rituals and like just super strange stuff, man. And then he went on to form like one of the most uh, prestigious jet propulsion places in the world so yeah really really weird what some of these companies are steeped in yeah but um moving on from that uh, (laughs) they go to their boss to give this news and um who who was this again their boss ron silver is his name and somebody is He's all. He was all over the place, especially in the '90s. Um, you ever see Time Cop? He's the bad guy. In Time oh Cop. yes, yes. Um, and he was noted for. He was a Democrat at this time. I was looking this up because I. I thought I was like, oh man, it must have been weird for him to be in this movie because he was. Uh, so he is essentially he was somebody who uh, was a Democrat until. 
9-11 happened. And then he thought the Democratic response to that and terrorism was not strong enough. So he became an independent, started supporting George Bush, was working hand in hand with George Bush um, up until his death in 2009. However, it was um, it was revealed by his brother like a year after his death uh, that he had voted for Obama because he very much wanted to see an African-American president. So he had an interesting like last decade of his life. Yeah. Interesting. Real interesting guy. But you can see like if somebody was like a Democrat, it almost made me start wanting to look into the like political line leanings of everybody in this movie, especially the director. Cause again, like it's yeah. just very much like it's very, very much a progressive movie. It has its missteps like Kiki. Um, uh, or get the, to that. <laughs> yep. Um, but you know, it's like the, the overall message of the movie centering on climate change in a time when like mainstream, like, you know, independence day doesn't even really get into like a lot of those mainstream action movies and stuff, especially in the nineties are like apolitical. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. That's a good point though. And I think that might be why this movie didn't do as well uh, for yeah. many reasons, but I think this is one yeah. of them is it did have a strong stance on things that not all Americans or not all humans agree with. And that's right. hard when you, when yeah. you're kind of, putting your foot down in your film and saying, this is my message. This is my theme. Right. Um, I think it's interesting. And again, we'll get to why global warming plays such a big part in this, but um, okay. So they gave, so Z- yes, cause I will need you to explain it to me. Cause there were a couple of times. I can't pretend Sorry. I didn't know it all, but we will Ooh. try. Um, Zane and uh, Calvin bring this information to their boss at uh, JPL slash, I guess they're kind of working with NASA. They're not, you know, directly, related but uh their boss is like i i i don't know what you want me to do with this um like also you're fired <laughs> so right like right. you bring him and i think zane actually says i bring you the most groundbreaking discovery we've had in forever and you're firing me and yeah. uh she's like what the hell is going on here why would it, your it, boss it, do this it's even more confusing because that starts with him being like, there's nothing here. Oh, oh, you mean the signal came on and then it didn't repeat and then we didn't see it again? And then moments later, he's like, this is a huge scientific find. This is exactly what you've been looking for, but I got to let you go. I'm just like, what? We, we just took like a big shift. Yeah, it was a very unbalanced uh, scene, I would say. But yeah. um, so he fires, fires Zane and then we see mm-hmm. his boss destroy the tape. So what's going on there? We'll get to it. Um, Mm -hmm. What else here? Oh, and then, um, so Zane, he's fired and it kind of, you know, he tells his girlfriend and we come to find out, yeah, he's been doing this job forever. He's kind of lacked in the boyfriend department and the relationship is very strained in many ways. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he does immediately. God, wouldn't this be nice? You get let go from a job and then like days later you get another job. But uh, he starts working for like a satellite company, you know, very run of the mill blue collar job. Does he? Because... Yeah, why do you? For somebody, well, because I was confused all of a sudden. Like, and I, let me be very clear about something. I was going to say this. I was the. I watched both of these movies in the last twenty four hours. Okay? okay, so last night, last night I was a little tired. 
Um, and I put on Arrival. I was like, I, I might fall asleep cause, just because I was like, beat. it was a long day. But I was like, you know what? I've seen this movie a bunch. I really like this movie. I put it on. I it, uh, it And I couldn't look away. Like, I, I was woken up by that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I was attentive the entire time I watched it. I put this on today. I woke up this morning. I went for a run. I came back. I had, like, I had breakfast. I had two big cups of coffee. I had to write an article for uh, Pajiba.com. No big deal. Check out Pajiba. And I... <laughs> um, smooth. I, smooth. Very smooth. Um, and then I put this movie on. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready to pay attention to a movie. When I tell you that this thing, I had the hardest time staying engrossed in this movie. <laughs> and so at a certain point, I, and Joy watched it with me. At a certain point, I looked at the TV and I was like, wait a minute, is he a handyman now? Because all of a sudden he starts running, he runs into that little, um, uh, the uh, TED talk or whatever it is that the guy is attending, right? Yeah. yeah. And that his former boss is attending. And he's mad because he found out that like he didn't share the tape. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's got that outfit on and the name tag isn't his name. And then that becomes a recurring thing as he's like working on other people's satellites. Yeah. So I just started to wonder, I was like, is this a real, did I, it, and this could have happened. Did I miss the scene where he's just like, well, I got this job now, or well, I got to do this for money now. Or did he just all of a sudden had this van and several different name tags and outfits? <laughs> Holy shit. I didn't even, I didn't. Yeah. Where's the, um, where is the connector between that? I don't know. That's a really good point, man. Like he, and, it wasn't and if I missed name. it. Yeah, if I missed it, if somebody wants to start flaming me on Twitter, that's fine. Like, that's why you got to really pay attention to a movie. But I swear to God, it was like I cl- I blinked, and all of a sudden he's rushing into this place with his outfit on, and I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. So he's pretending to be a handyman to get in there. Um, and then I was like, wait, what's? why is that not his name? Like, never once did he wear a name tag that says Zane on it. Right. Zane Zeminski. Zem- that's... <laughs> That's it's, some classic, classic name stuff going on. That was a Stan Lee name right there, man. Yeah, for real. Yes. <laughs> Matt Murdock, Peter Parker. I yeah, could go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bruce Banner. <laughs> it's all, it's all, this just superheroes in general. Yeah, you um, could tell this writer definitely was a comic book fan. Um, yeah. That's such a good point. Um, okay, well, you know, let's let's suspend our our uh, disbelief for a Done. moment and say um, he he's working for some satellite repair company. So mm-hmm. fell, yeah, fell on hard times. Fell on some hard times. It really does. And you know, just like any guy, when you're that beaten down and and whatnot, like it starts to take a toll on you. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you don't feel your wor- self-worth anymore. But before he loses all self-worth, we get our first shot of Zane post-coitus, I think, or pre-coitus, yeah, I yeah. can't really tell. Well, Out on his dock. <laughs> his dock, his, he's not fishing. Out yeah. on his deck. His dock, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the nude, well, what do so you think, he- Andrew? Well, here's a question for you, Ryan. Why was he wet? And why was she not? <laughs> he was very was, uh, perspiring, yes. For se- during several points of the movie, to the point where I almost thought, like, not to jump ahead too far, but there's later on where he's wearing a disguise that starts to fail, and it looks like he's sweating through it. Yeah. And I was like, have they been showing him being perpetually sweaty 
for this entire movie just to set up that one bit? Because if so, that's almost kind of genius. Yeah. But then they don't get into, like, they don't elaborate on whether or not that's why the costume is failing. But yeah, (laughs) I I, I saw that scene happen and I was just like, wait, why is he wet? And why is she not? I was like, she, it seemed like maybe she was getting out of the shot. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, know. that was something where I was just like, there were several times where I said out loud, what is this movie? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> what is it trying to be? And we'll definitely get to that because it it's, it's trying to be a lot of different things. But, um, mm-hmm. so, okay. So we get our first scene of, uh, of his, more of his body than I think any of us truly wanted to see. But like you said, he was kind of a sex symbol back then. And I guess I, I guess I kind of blacked that out of my memory. Uh, I don't remember many films he did. I did watch the hot shots movies. Uh, Oh really? What was that other book he did? Platoon? Was is that his? Um, no, he was in. Uh, oh man, he did one of those like Vietnam movies. Yeah. Yes, I don't want to. It might have been Platoon. I don't think it was Full Metal Jacket. No, um, no. But it was. Hold on, I'm going to pull up his Wikipedia right now because we're just going to be those kind of people. Exactly. Um, people screaming that us. way. Oh, it was Platoon. Yeah, you oh, know. Okay. And I saw, I definitely saw the Hot Shot. I loved Hot Shots Part Two. So funny. Growing so up. So um, and a Major League, which the major, he was in the first two oh my Major God, League dude. movies, I think. And I loved those. Yeah, what was his name in that? Uh, oh, shoot. Uh, let me see. Wild Thing. Rick Vaughn. Wild, Wild Thing, yeah, Rick yeah, Vaughn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, I didn't yeah, even wow, look that up. It. I I was yeah, obsessed I was with um, <laughs> I was obsessed with Major League 2. So much so that uh, the Cleveland Indians became my team after I saw oh, that's awesome. the, uh, that's the first awesome. movie. And I, I only liked them because of these movies. So there's, there's your allegiance right there <laughs> for a baseball mm-hmm. team. Oh, in this scene, too, we should mention on the shelf uh, in, I think, his bedroom, we get a shot of Carl Sagan's Cosmos book, which is what the movie oh, Contact nice. is based on. So there's a little, right, right, right. nice little Easter egg or homage right there. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I almost feel like like it was it was like a race to do movies about that kind of stuff in the, like, yeah. the late 80s into the 90s. Um, and it wasn't until you do one, because I would argue like of the three that we met, mentioned, um, this uh, Contact and My Stepmother is an Alien, um, Contact is the most uh, successful um, of those movies that, yes. that direct, directly like you like they jokingly ha- I think Carl Sagan like Carl Sagan's voice quote unquote but it's actually Harry Shearer um, is in um, uh, My Stepmother is an Alien and then you have the book in this movie and then you have the actual I think Carl Sagan died like right before Contact came out yeah yeah I think you're right. like I think it's dedicated to him so it's 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 not until you get the actual man's formula going that you have more of a success story but you know right. yeah that's a really really good point um Okay, so all right, whatever. There there it's clear that he's a very insecure guy. His yep. girlfriend's trying to build him up and be like, I think you're special and like you've always had conviction, but like you gotta just accept this and move on. Like it, right. it was a fluke, you know, this, that, but he's convinced like he heard something. He found probably one of the biggest things in in history, a message from aliens. So 
what does he do? He uses what we're saying was his new job as a repairman for satellite dish, like a dish sort of situation. Mm-hmm. This is pretty cool. He goes to all these houses to quote unquote repair their satellites and he makes it so they all triangulate to like one specific coordinate. So that he can now do what he was doing at his old job from, I'm guessing, the attic of his house and, uh, and set this up. So now he's got his own little mini SETI radio astronomer headquarters in his house. This is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. And it was one of those things, too, where I, um, I, I like, I, I, at the beginning, like, there are moments where this movie where I was like, oh, I like where this is heading. Like, this is an interesting kind of, like, you know. Um, like, let's see, and, and it, 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 I made the mistake of watching Arrival first, because Ooh, I can't, were, I can't lie, yeah. yes, yep, I can't lie and say that I wasn't, like, projecting on this movie, but I was like, oh, cool, maybe he's gonna try to still contact these aliens, despite being fired from his official position, like, he's gonna try to do, like, almost like the opposite of what's done in Arrival, where he's not getting government support and he's just trying to, he's like, well, damn, like government damned, these things are going to try to talk to or trying to talk to us and I'm going to try to talk to them. Um, and then instead it just gets much more confusing. <laughs> it does. It does. You know what confused me too were those uh, steampunk sunglasses he was rocking this whole film. Bro, oh my God, I'm so glad you just said something. <laughs> I, oh, holy shit. Those look... So awful, and it's so that? so '90s. And what's what's even worse is at one point I feel like they were using the sunglasses to show us that like he's over the deep end because when we see him like over the deep end, he's got these weird giant yellow sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. Like, and but there's yeah. one point where he's got uh, both of them like hanging from his uh, shirt. He's got two uh, pairs. Like, what is going on with this guy? I, like, I think what you're. The- Fuck, man. He's just losing it, dude. He's losing yeah. it. Yeah. And that's a big part of this character, we should mention. He is very paranoid in many parts of his yes. life. And he has a yes. reason to, clearly. For uh, mm-hmm. But when it comes to him and his girlfriend, dude, like, what a piece of shit, possessive yeah. asshole he was. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, he's accusing his girlfriend of cheating on him um, because a guy talked to her at one point. And I'm just right. like, this is the kind of guy you have to stay away from because, A, yes. Zane is not in a good place and B Charlie Sheen acting this part. It looks like he wants to beat the shit out of everyone he talks to. Yeah. Yeah. Moments notice. (laughs) And it's one of those things too, where you're watching it and you're just like, so wait, why is he like, it's almost like, did we miss a scene? Did the young, like the dude who's like 10 years old, younger than the both of them, like, uh, like say something untoward to him earlier? Has he heard about him before? Or right. was that literally just a random guy at her office? And he's like, yeah, is he going to? Like, right. he's going to go. Or when, in the very beginning, he's on the phone call, don't talk to any strangers on your way out of the bar. Like, oh, like and she, he's pissed that she's out at a bar. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. He's like, you're out at a bar while I'm at work. It's like, motherfucker, you don't know her. She, Maybe she's not working right now. What's she yeah. supposed to do? Wait at home for you? Right. Like, when can she go to a bar by herself? He's not a likable lead by like no. any stretch of the imagination. Which makes it a slog to follow him through this. But um, yeah, the yeah, only dude. thing that really kept me going was, you know, I've been there. I'm, I'm, I 
you know, shout from the rooftops every day, like, UFOs are real. Please, somebody believe right. me. And, yeah. you know, that's kind of happening in today's society. We're getting closer and yeah, closer man. in many ways. So I understand that need and want for people to, you want vindication. And um, mm-hmm. he's been put smack dab in the middle of this huge conspiracy and, uh, and no one will believe him. So I understand that. But this is just a poorly, poorly written character. And yeah. um and on top of having an actor who doesn't understand it, it just makes it even worse. But um, let's uh, yeah. Okay. Now so, there were several times where he's like ringing off, like saying certain like jargon as far as being a, like a radio astronomer, and I was just like, "You don't know anything that you just said. You have no idea what you're saying." <laughs> you like, do a little research. You know, it's really funny. Um, before we go any further, so I told before we got on, I told you I was writing down notes. Um, I've got one. Two, three, four, five. I've got six full pages for the arrival, which makes no sense. For How does that happen? How does that? It's happen? because one one movie makes sense and another one doesn't. Like, and okay. there's something to to be said about the fact that Arrival is very minimalist. Yes. It is a big budget, like big, like it's it's a big movie, but it's still like in the grand scheme of things. We're in like three locations. We're at her college. We're at the um, the site where everything's going on, and we're inside the ship. Aside from that, we really don't go anywhere else. This movie, for some reason, goes fucking everywhere. Antarctica, you know, California, yeah. Mexico, uh, Mexico, back to California, back, back to, California. to like the middle of the <laughs> desert. I guess like just all these things where I'm just like none of this. Is yeah. like helping, and it's probably why the movie cost twenty five million dollars to make. Holy for shit! Some reason in nineteen ninety six. Oh, you know where most Whoa. of that went to to our man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the and the uh, the stunning special effects, which we will get to. Um, <laughs> let's get back to, I guess, our next character we're introduced to, Andrew. And I know you're gonna have a lot to say about this, and I'm Ooh. going to I'm going to shut up about it. Um. Let's get to it. So he's got his little radio astronomy makeshift thing in his house and someone's spying on him from the window. And we are introduced to Kiki. Who is Kiki? Yes. Kiki is a little black boy that lives next door, but doesn't really live next door. Uh, He's there because the place he comes from in LA is like super dangerous. So he's living with his grandma for a while. Um, He makes it very clear pretty quick that he's not packing heat. Because he's not like the other people at his school or whatever. It's just this. It's weird. When you find out when there's a reveal about him later, it can almost be looked at as purposeful. Because both times, there's two things where I'm just going to jump ahead. Like, we, everybody knows there's going to be spoilers for this. Oh, yeah. Um, so just make that clear. Um, Kiki, it turns out, is an alien. And one of the other, the only other times where you get three interactions, like main interactions with people that end up being aliens. There's Ron Silver's character, his boss. Um, there is Kiki. And there is a stereotypical Mexican uh, cab driver. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I was very lucky enough to take my, for Joy and I to have our honeymoon in Mexico. We had several Mexican cab drivers and tour guides. And none of them spoke broken English the way that that character did. <laughs> uh, so it was one of those weird things where I was just like, oh, maybe it's just that the aliens, like maybe in some deeper way, 
the guy was trying to go like, oh, you know, if aliens come to this planet, they're going to be stereotypes of whoever they are. I, I, I feel like that's giving them too much credit. But it's also one of those tough things. It's like, listen, and we're, we're both, um, people would have probably heard Jamie Lamchick's voice at the beginning of this episode. And she uh, imparted a great bit of uh, uh, a, a great thing to me at one point within the last like year or two where you can't, it's hard to have expectations on older movies to be culturally sensitive. Mm -hmm. It's just hard. You're fighting a losing battle. Some of the best movies have these blind spots and not saying that this is one of the best movies, um, but (laughs) some of the movies before anything before, like, I don't know, 2005 and that needle moves all the time where you're just like, well, at least if you see movie after like 2010, and they don't do anything culturally insensitive like you're in. Or if they do do something culturally insensitive, you're just like, come on, man, we got black president. Uh, but it's before that, like we're, in 1996 is a time we're like, I'm sure. And, and is it the most offensive portrayal of a little black boy? No, but it's pretty bad. It's, and it's, it's close, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like he's talking about not packing heat. He's like an idiot. He's got his hat on sideways and wearing these big baggy clothes. And I know some of that was the style at the time, but like, so was fucking Steve Urkel. So like, you know, you can't like, it's, there's, there's this idea where it's just like, oh, we got a little black. Yeah. Like, you know, you're talking jive. You're just like, he's like, you want me to press this button right here? This one that my fingers above? Like, I'm just like, what is happening right now? (laughs) And then, yo, I have even oh my god! I just realized something because he's an oh I'm I'm so confused about what Kiki's role in the movie is. Okay, yeah. Let's see if it unfurls as we explore this extremely deep film. Um, let's see. <laughs> oh yeah, Charlie Sheen does tell Kiki, "Shouldn't you be out tagging something?" Jesus Christ! Oh yes! Uh, oh, oh. and that was one where I was like, "I hate you, Zane Zeminski." Like, I don't understand. Like, that's what you have to say. Like, and it's one of those tough things. It's, it's it, honestly, it's made even more glaring by the fact that, and unless I miss somebody, this is the only African-American character in the film. Yes, it is. Yeah. The only one. Yeah. So it, it, that's when you start to get to a point where it's like, well, what, what are we saying here? Like, yeah. This is, what is the this point? is how you're going to react, interact with the only black person. Like, I don't know. It's just, it was, it was pretty rough. That yeah. was. That that made me like as a person of color. Um, I saw that happen, and I was just like, "This is it's cringeworthy." It, it really is. is. It's bad. Um, and- but again, I can only I can only get so mad. It was 1996. <laughs> I like it. Just at a certain point, it just fucking is what it is. <laughs> it is. And it's <laughs> you know? hard to man. It goes. It always goes back to that whole you know debate we've we've been having a lot lately with the Me Too movement and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. It's like how do, when when can you separate? the artist's work from like what yeah and that's such a hard thing with a lot of people so i understand i i think i I, you know know what's funny i think there was an interview with chris rock in the new york times this week where he talked about the fact that jimmy fallon um did a black faced impersonation of him in the year 2000 right Mm -hmm. and which jimmy fallon came under fire for recently um something that was 20 years old um and uh, chris rock was just like just said that he wasn't offended by it uh, because a he's friends with Jimmy Fallon and he likes him a lot. But also he said that the intent is very important, which is something that I intent and context 
is something that often gets overlooked when people are trying to attack somebody for a certain reason. Yeah. Um, when it's not like if you can have like if you can line up intent and context and it's like you can tell that something is like meant to be hurtful or meant to be mean spirited or meant to be offensive. That's when you start to come into problems. But it's when something is not done for those kind of reasons. That's when you have to go, well, what do we like? Is this the hill that we want to die on? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This little kids, I, I do not think that the filmmakers were set out to be like, yeah, you know, he's going to be like a little, we're just going to like make fun of black people with this little kid. Like, I don't think that was the intention. Um, it's just something where it's, like I said, it's a blind spot. It's something where they, when you don't have any other black people on set or behind the camera, um, and probably the same, the same with Mexican people, you will find yourself doing things that you don't know were offensive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. But um Yeah, of course. Yep. All right. Well let's I wanna try to breeze through some of these plot points because this yes. movie honestly doesn't yeah, yeah. deserve as much attention as our next one. But um yeah. <laughs> so Kiki and Zane, they get the signal back, which is fucking incredible. Like how yep. the hell yep. did that happen? But um amazing. And within the the message or signal, they hear Mexican music coming from a right. A Mexican uh, radio station. So right. um, that's where we're at with that. And then meanwhile, uh, Kelvin, our other radio astronomer, uh, wakes mm-hmm. up and to his alarm and he goes to turn it off, but someone else turns it off. And then we mm-hmm. see that there are two men in suits in his bedroom and a uh, little creepy. And then boom. After Zane gets the signal, he goes to Calvin's to uh, be like, oh, my God, I got the signal again. I got the signal. And Calvin is dead. Um, yep. Something's going on. Something weird is going on. One, one of those men in suits, I have to – Leon Rippy is the man's name. Um, you'd know him if you saw He's the one that, like, you see a little bit more of him later. Anyway, just classic character actor. Like, that's oh, cool. a guy – you've probably seen him before. You'll see him again. Real good stuff. Um, I always remember him very uh, vividly from the movie The Patriot from the year 2000 with Mel Gibson. And, uh, yeah, Heath and Ledger. He, Heath Ledger. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie's, that movie's pretty stacked. But he's in there. He has a moment where he, like, blows his brains out when he finds out his family's been killed. Just, like, real solid stuff. He was in 11-22-63. This is one of the best Stephen King adaptations that's ever been made. If you've never seen that, check that out. Um, but just want to give a shout out to Leon Rippey. That guy's a, like, he's a, that's a classic character actor right there. Again, this cast is stacked. It really is. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. God, God. I just feel so bad for them, though. Um, okay. <laughs> hey, so, they got paid. They got um, paid. They probably got paid well, nobody, too. Nobody's career ended after this movie. Um, Except what's Kiki's. Their, and, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can't really find anything else on him. No, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) All right. So clearly there's a conspiracy going on. Kelvin's dead. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Zane decides to up and go to Mexico. Yay, because that's super easy when you live in California. Um, So he does it. (laughs) He gets there to try to figure out where this signal came from, um, a radio headquarters or something in Mexico. And then that's when our character from the beginning, Alana Green, comes back up and she pops up every now and again in different scenes talking about global warming, global warming, global warming, global warming. So her and uh, 
and Zane kind of end up in the same hacienda or something, motel. I'm not sure, Andrew. You stayed at one of these places. I don't know Mexico. Oh, yeah. I think it's just a regular motel. A hacienda is more of uh, uh, when it's a little bit more secluded. And it's just like a hacienda would be more of just like, oh, it's like several houses in one area that are all Uh, like the same facility. Yeah, they were just staying in like a hotel. Gotcha. Um, no, no big deal. I know. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're talking to the guy who stays at budget inns. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But so, right. Just to, yeah. Just to like breeze through a little bit. Cause I have to have, I have a question like, and this is one of the things where the movie starts to, I was happy that they didn't take the opportunity to, when he sees uh, Ilana Green for the first time, he does it like something catches his eye about her, I guess. Cause she's another white person. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. and, and they're, and they're in Mexico, but I was just like, if he talks to her right now, I'm going to be furious. Um, because I was like, it was the most coincidental meeting possible. Oh yeah. Um, but he, he doesn't, they save that. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, but so he is later on, he's taken a bath cause we got to see more Charlie Sheen chest more, more. Please. And yes. And water starts dripping in and then suddenly the tub falls from above him. It was actually like a fun, like when it happened, I was like, oh, cool. And then it starts breaking through all the other floors. And I was like, <laughs> Looney Tunes, man. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, what is this? But okay. <laughs> that was probably like, you know, uh, $50,000 you could have saved um, to not have that extra stuff happen, but whatever. Um, so they do that and he chases this guy um who's like was there after or like who did that and uh, not to get like to this other point yet but it's it's like an assassin right mm-hmm. yeah yeah when he Supposedly. later on yeah pulls another assassination attempt he just puts a bunch of scorpions in someone's room yes in alana's room alana Green. so he goes from I'm going to do the biggest, messiest thing possible to try to kill this person to, I'm just going to leave some scor- scorpions here and like, <laughs> you know, hope it all works, hope it all works out for the best. Like, what? Wh- 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 He's a very uneven assassin for sure. Yeah. And, and he like regresses. Like <laughs> yeah. you would think that it's like, ah, oh, shit, the scorpions didn't work. Well, I'll try to drop a tub on him now. Yeah. Guess. Like, but no, it's the other way around. <laughs> It's so weird, dude. I, this, oh God. Well, yeah. Okay. So we got Charlie Sheen chasing this assassin who tried to yeah. kill him with uh, five tubs going through floors of mm-hmm. a motel, hotel, and um, mm-hmm. he catches up to this guy, and all of a sudden, this this guy, the the Mexican assassin, as it were, um, uh-huh. we get our first special effects in the movie where his... Yes, oh my God. And it took so fucking long to get to that. Uh... <laughs> Again, I was watching it with commercials too, and I, it would be one thing if the first like, 45, 50 minutes was paced a little bit better. But at one point, Joy, Joy was just like, not enough aliens for me so far, I'll tell you that much. And I was like, right? Yep. Like, what is happening? Why, where are the aliens? Yeah, um, which is funny because I'm actually the opposite. I wanted to, I wanted more of like the messages from space and like more of a. You know what? That would have been great too. Yeah, yeah, but instead we go straight sci-fi with this thing and this this mm-hmm. assassin. His 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 knees bend backwards. So imagine right. imagine that your knees going the other way 
And, um, and clearly, he's not human. He leaps about 200 feet over a wall and disappears. Mm-hmm. So clearly, we're dealing with something not human, supposedly. Uh, and he's kind of mystified. But, but it's okay, because he still has to meet up with Alana. And uh, they need to talk about global warming some more. And uh, why they're both in Mexico. And they kind of become a team at this point, like trying to unravel Mm -hmm. this stuff that's going on. Um, We get probably one of the most awkward flirting things ever when it comes to uh, these two, which again shows how much of a dirtbag. Yes. Yeah. It was so weird. He's not quite broken up with his girlfriend, but he's like, are we going to fuck tonight? Like what's, yeah. What's the deal here? Yeah. (laughs) With this, um, with Alana green. So uh, let's see. I'm going to kind of fast forward here, Andrew. Um, Yeah. That's totally fine. Um, (laughs) So uh, Alana's out there doing some experiments and she gets arrested by the police. Zane just happens to show up when this happens and uh, Mm -hmm. tries to stop the police. And who does he see? But his boss, but it's not his boss because the guy has a mustache, a mustache. Mm-hmm. So what's going on here? Um, so I, 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 well, that's an excellent question because <laughs> I have some like, because here's, here's like questions. something I would like, yeah, I would like to ask you. So is the insinuation that it is literally just him in a mustache or is the insinuation that these aliens are just like, yeah, we only got so many uh alien skin or human skins to use i think that's it man because later in the film he does say like yo your aliens they should have broke the mold when they made you man because i saw uh, you yep. in mexico with a mustache boom perfect um that's what i'm taking Done. from it at least okay but, good that's fine i got right. that line um but i was just like when that first <laughs> happened i was like even that i'm just like that's kind of like lazy it i don't is. know like <laughs> it is there's so much logic leaps in this movie but um yeah all right let's fast forward so this assassin puts scorpions in alana's room and i guess does she die i didn't even notice like is she gone eventually we learn that she is but the last thing that we see happen to her she sits up in bed and screams after they like tease the scorpion thing for her uh, for many minutes i think and i went the to the bathroom time... and left the movie playing at that point yeah that, oh i did that several times um, there, but I, um, so they do that and then we jump forward later and we see her corpse when he's arrested. Oh shit. Because I missed that whole part. He, yeah. Because they like, he's arrested and, um, the guy, the, um, the police chief or captain or detective or whatever in Mexico is just like, oh yeah, you're going to see the, like, you know, it's like, well, somebody was hit a drunk drive because this is after he goes to the facility um he hits ron silver's character with his car um and then keeps driving because he goes into this deep alien facility underground thing which is honestly like we can just skip that whole thing yeah it was weird. just know that he, <laughs> find, was, he finds this huge underground facility with all the right aliens, and they're doing this something hidden plan. yeah and yeah. he runs it and that's when he finds out that like you know the cab driver that he had is also an alien and he pushes him out of an elevator that doesn't have a door for some reason <laughs> and like is able to like and puts on this really weird makeup at one point and he finds out that these aliens like he sees aliens 
and he's playing like action hero for whatever reason. And he sees aliens and it was just like, they're using these lights that give them um, skin. Oh, and I'm sorry, we can't skip it entirely because here's another thing that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So the aliens stand in their little um, area to have the skin put on them, right? Yeah. When that happens, before they put the skin on, their body starts to change. And the things that show that their body is changing is their fingers get smaller and their knees go to the way that a normal humans would. Right. So this has to happen before they put the skin on. <laughs> but then we see, but we had already seen pretty clearly that one of them is able to do that. And we see it again later with the human skin on and it makes no difference. So why, why even show us that that's what happens? Do, like, Andrew, why do you not question our alien overlords. What are you doing? <laughs> and by that, I mean, uh, I mean, um, uh, what's this guy's name again? David Toomey wrote this. Do not question David Toomey, who I was just looking it up a little bit. I won't question him because he has written and directed not just Pitch Black, but also Chronicles of Riddick yes. and Riddick. Um, and is supposed to be making a new Riddick movie soon. So it's like, you know what? I, I don't have any successful franchises under my belt. So, <laughs> you know what? Like, good on you. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah. So it's we're, we're moving along. He, he decides to go back to California because uh, he's escaping all the stuff that happened in Mexico. They use Alana Green's dead body to say that that's the person he hit. Um, instead of like using the body of a police officer, which seems mm-hmm. like would have been a little bit more effective. Um, and he goes back to California and now he's in crazy mode. He's wearing a big black duster. Um, <laughs> he's got the crazy sunglasses on. Dude, I got to stop you here. Did you ever watch Please. Renegade on USA? Renegade? No. Yeah. It was, it was like a bounty hunter show. He was like, okay. it was basically Dog the Bounty Hunter, but fictionalized and uh, okay. like 10 years earlier. But it reminds me so much of this TV show, like the duster and like, he's all, you know, the desert. This is all what the show is about. So no, I, sure. I like this little, I'm guessing David Tui had something to do with Renegade too. But yeah, anyway, oh, sorry to interrupt. Okay. Continue. No, yeah, it's fine. Um, so he, yeah, so they go into, um, he goes back to California. He, fi- he first he calls out Ron Silver and gets him to like admit what he was doing so he can like have it on tape. When, when, yeah. he, when he meets up with his boss again, Ron Silver, and he says, hey, Zane, not looking so good. Best line of the movie, Zane says, actually, I look like a can of smashed assholes. And that's when I'm like, what is this movie trying to do? What are we doing here? Yeah, is this a yeah. comedy? Is it, uh, are we to take this seriously? Like, what the fuck is this movie? Yeah, like, that was one of those things where I remember when you first announced that we were going to be covering this movie on Twitter months ago. Uh, somebody, that was the thing that everybody kept saying. They're like, oh, yeah, Candace Mask Assholes. And I'm like, yeah, is that the body you want to pull out of this car wreck? Like, that's what you're trying to say. You're just like, oh, but can't imagine assholes. Like, so, so what? That means, that means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. I guarantee you that Charlie Sheen improv that line, and they were like, oh, Charlie. Oh, uh, gold. Cut, wrap, <laughs> print, save. Like, this is just done. We nailed it. Everybody you, go home. We'll pick back up tomorrow. Do you think he like, thought... <laughs> 
you think he thought, ah, oh, in 20 years, two guys during a pandemic <laughs> are going to be doing a review of this, and that's what they're going to talk about. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I hope so. I sure as shit hope so, man. Uh, uh. But okay, so yeah, uh, his boss, he he kind of admits, like, I'm not who you think I am, um, but right. you don't want to dig deeper. Like, this is going to be the end of you, brother. And um, right. And he kind of does the evil boss thing and tells Zane everything, you know, like, this is what we're doing here. And and Zane is kind of like, I think I know what you're doing, but I'm not quite sure yet. Tell me. And and he's threatening him with a fake gun. And Mm -hmm. then we find out that he pulled a candid camera. It's like, there's a camera. There's a camera. There's a camera. Yep. It's just one camera. But yes, he did record his boss telling him all this. So now Zane's got the proof. Silent invasion occurring. Yes, which I have questions. Okay. Because I am not sure what their plot. So are they trying to terraform the planet? Is that what's happening? So yep. they can come here? Yep. Okay. I, right. Honestly, so simple enough. I think it's that simple. And I think what they're doing is, you know, we've got Alana Green saying global warming's real. Like this, you know, right. it's, it's gradual. And they're accelerating it. Yes. And they're accelerating it to the point where humans won't be able to live there anymore and they can take over the planet. So I think that's why they're, they have these terraforming things probably all over the planet. And it is, it's, Mm -hmm. it's underground, it's insidious. And that's kind of what global warming is in real life. You know, it's gradual until the point where we can't reverse it. So I think there is some good subtext going on here with how they sure. they handled it, um, especially towards the end, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, I believe, you know, in the simplest of terms, the plan is that these aliens are disguising themselves in prominent places to, uh, to gain influence and also to terraform the planet and take it over. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, so he meets up with Kiki again, who yep. Kiki saw. So at one point, the two guys that were in suits go to Charlie Sheen's place. They drop this little steampunk style looking ball. Hellraiser box. Yeah. Hellraiser box. <laughs> that's what it reminded um, me of. And, anyway. Yeah, that's fair. No, and then it opens up, swallows everything in his apartment. And that's like, you know, gets rid of all his evidence. So him and Kiki, Kiki are like, what are we going to do? And he's like, all right, we got to go to this satellite that's yeah. elsewhere that we're gonna I, I could tell what his exact purpose was there. I guess he was trying to broadcast Yeah, so what so was happening. Basically that tape that he had of his boss explaining right. the entire plan. Uh and that's this is weird too. Like does he really think this is the be all end all of evidence that this is going on? Is some you know, the movie saying, the movie does. <laughs> the movie thinks the that. movie really does. It yep. Does. I was I was pretty floored by that ending. I was like, Yeah, guys. Oh okay. that's it. Yeah. Um let, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh so, yeah, Zane's plan is to broadcast this across the world using all these satellites, kind of like he did in the beginning where he triangulated everything to go to one place. He wants to now mm-hmm. send this message out to humanity that aliens are trying to silently take us over. Um, mm-hmm. So he kind of, you know, reconnects with his girlfriend. Uh, I feel so bad. What was her name? Shar. Um, Shar. Yeah. Reconnects with her and... Uh, she kind of believes him, kind of doesn't, and she follows him and Kiki to this satellite place. And um, they get there, and boom, the goons are back. His boss is back. 
But how did they get there so quick and know what he was doing, Andrew? I don't know. I, I, I got nothing. Like, and I, it was just one of those things, too, where, like, that starts happening. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Ha-ha. So they tease at first that Char is an alien. And I got to say, for a half second, I was just like, oh, you know what? That would be a fun enough twist, I guess. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, but too. no, instead, it is kind of revealed, not fully yet, though, that Kiki is an alien. Right, right. So, so basically, and know, presumably tipped off Ron Silver and his goons as to where they were going. Yes. So Zane puts Kiki in control of pressing the red button, the quintessential mm-hmm. red button, to broadcast this message to the world. And uh, Kiki doesn't do it. Instead, he opens right. the door for our goons and our boss, our big bad alien boss, and to come in and stop Zane from doing this. Uh, right. So yeah, we get these inklings that Kiki's not who we think he is. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Zane finds some some tanks of liquid nitrogen. He freezes all the aliens. He gets his tape back. Uh, am I missing anything before that? I don't think so. Uh, uh no. Okay. No. Uh, oh, oh, there's some nitrous nitroglycerin or whatever nitrous oxide. Ni- um, what is it? The free, like something that was like, I feel like super popular in the 90s. It's like this, they do it in, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, um, uh, oh shoot, why can't I remember the name of I it? I have no idea uh, what you're trying to um, say. Um, Demolition Man. Oh, the stuff yes, that yes, freezes yes. you instantly. <laughs> that movie was awesome. Um, oh man, liquid nitrogen. But, Liquid nitrogen, thank you. Like something, I feel like that was something that was like popular in the nineties, <laughs> like action movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he uses liquid nitrogen to freeze Ron Silver to get the tape back, and then cuts his hand off to get it, and uh, eventually, like, and then they destroy the whole satellite because of the ball that was in Ron Silver's hand. The ball, the day. Uh, what do they call that? DSS Machina or whatever. DSS Machina. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like it's just. So all that happens, everybody's destroyed, and then they like they barely get off of like the satellite that's out there. And we see Kiki standing nearby, who managed to avoid all the destruction. And this is where I got even I'm already confused, right? Uh, like because Kiki, we find out, is a bad guy. Kiki could have stopped Charlie Sheen multiple times at the beginning of the movie oh, but yeah. instead is actively helping him it's so weird. all but yes so then he's helping ron silver and then charlie sheen's yelling at him he's like this is what you wanted like if you guys wanted help you could have like asked why did it have to be like this why couldn't you just come and ask for our help Then you tell them. You go back and tell them that I know. That she knows. That others will know. It's not going to be easy. Not anymore. And then I'm like, so wait, was Kiki trying to take down Ron Silver? That's what I thought too. He's like the the reluctant stormtrooper who realizes the arrow waves and joins the rebellion. But no, no, he he's just uh, he's just an alien in disguise and uh, went about it a really ass backwards way of um, yeah, man, monitoring Charlie Sheen when he could have stopped him from the beginning. Dude, he could have 
he could have thrown them out the window. He could have, um, right. at any point, he could have stopped from putting any, all of this into motion, this entire He movie. straight up tells him, he's like, oh, we looking for a big signal or a small signal? Because this is a big one. It's just yeah. like he could have just not told him that there was a signal and yeah. not sent him to Mexico where he effectively learned everything that was happening. He also, <laughs> there's that weird look between him and Phil's two goons when they show up. And he's watching them, and I'm like, I guess you could say, like, oh, he let them do it because he, they're all aliens. But then I'm just like, what? But what? We like, don't what, get what that. Even... Yeah. Yeah. We don't it's get just... that. It looks like he's super suspicious of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, again. And then it also raises yeah. the question of just, like, are they replacing humans? Are they able to just, like, was Ron Silver's character, like, he's just been an alien for so long? And I don't get me wrong. I know this is, like, really splitting hairs. But I'm just like, he's able to get to the top level of this facility um, as an alien? Or did he replace the guy who was already at the top level of this facility? Did this kid really live with his grandmother next door? Or did he replace the kid? Or is he like sweeping just because he's just like, I'm just an alien. So I'm going to sleep and help clean up things because I got nothing else to do. Like, it was just this, so many, I was left with so many more questions than answers at the end of this movie in a way that felt lazy. It was lazy. Welcome to Aliens 101. It's just, yeah, always more more questions than answers. But yeah, so basically, Kiki's knees go backwards. He runs off into the distance, and we don't know what happens after that. But um, let's see. We just uh, cut to the next thing that happens is like oh, a yes. radio breath. Yep. We're seeing that like global, like whatever the aliens are doing is working because everything's like, it's like 120 degrees in California and like, you know, it's like still 90 degrees in New York, but it's like September or October or whatever. <laughs> right. And uh, so all this is happening and then uh, they, it's interrupted with footage of Rod's of the footage, like the at some point they got the signal out that footage is out there of Rod Silver saying what their plan is, right. entirely without context, entirely without like any idea of what these people are seeing. It just plays it, and that's supposed to be the big like oh, like everybody knows now. And right? I'm just like no, what? What? No, because again, what? we have a million questions. You showed us a video of a dude saying. Yeah, you're kind of right. Oh, yeah. Don't say any, don't dig any deeper. Like, what What context are we supposed to put this in as the right. uh, innocent viewer whose broadcast is interrupted? It's just like how, right. I, it, I understand what the writer was going for. This, you know, boom, sure. everything's about to change. The plan has been unveiled. Uh, Zane wins. But again, I would just be like, huh, that was a weird prank that someone put on the TV, you know, that this is happening. Yeah, right. Before, you know, the Max Headroom right. prank back in like the nineties, you know, that <laughs> went, got broadcast across England and whatnot. Um, like this should happen. So I don't know what they were really trying to do, but, but the overall message is global warming's real. NRA is bad apparently to Charlie Sheen because he got a gun really easily. And like you mentioned, that was one of the many comments in this movie that I'm like, right, oh, right. Uh, you have a clear stance on the NRA, NRA, good sir. <laughs> but um, yep, that's it. That's the movie. We uh, we can only hope that Zane convinced the world of this alien invasion and they stop it. But Andrew, they didn't stop it because I don't know if you knew, but there was a sequel, The Arrival Two, 
I mm. saw that. Yep. Came out in 1998, starring Patrick Muldoon from Starship Troopers fame. Love it. Love me. Oh my God. Muldoon. That I was watched, a big year for him. It was. I watched the trailer. Holy shit. Next yeah. level sci-fi original right there. Um, hey, a, a fun little connector here, too, because you've been on my podcast plenty of times. Um, mm-hmm predominantly for um, like we've done some regular episodes, but also you've come on to do some Shocktober episodes. Yep. Right. And one time we watched a little movie called night of the demons. Mm. Right. <laughs> so um, the director of arrival Two is a man named Kevin S. Tenney, who also directed night of the demons. You're welcome. I, it means nothing in the grand scheme of the universe, but I just thought that was a fun little connection there. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, so I can only assume that Arrival 2 is some Oscar-worthy stuff going on. Oh, big time. Um, he I... also directed movies like Pinocchio's Revenge, <laughs> Demolition University. Um, like he, yeah. Oh, if you were going to say Demolition Man, that's a different story, but come on. It it is. No, Demolition University and then Witchboard and Witchboard 2, The Devil's Doorway. Um, There's just a lot of people. I think I've even said that he directed a movie called Bigfoot at one point. We don't have to get into it. That was one of the last (laughs) movies he directed. Um, But, y'all, if you haven't seen Night of the Demons, do yourself a favor, question mark and watch that movie um, it's real bad i can uh, uh, oh, yeah Ooh. all right oh, we made it through oh Whoa. jesus christ our poor listeners um i know Guys, final thoughts on the arrival ladies. um i really i just it was a real bummer to watch okay. i'm not okay. gonna lie and again because of people like Almost active, like immediately, the response when you put this out on Twitter was people saying, Arrival sucks. The Arrival is much better. That's such a fun movie. And maybe it's like nostalgia for people. Maybe it's just like, I don't know. Like at at this point in my life and where we're at in the world, I'm like, yo, if you can get enjoyment out of something, fuck everybody else. Yep. Enjoy that thing that you enjoy. And stay and don't listen to a word I just said. That's awesome. Enjoy it. Have fun. There's probably people that watch this movie like once or twice a year. And yep. that's great. If you're enjoying yourselves, awesome. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand it. Well, hey, this is gonna be my new tradition. I'm gonna watch this every year. Um There you go. But <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was fun, goofy, unhinged. Uh mm-hmm. I, what else did I write here? Good commentary on global warming and that we don't preserve yeah. our planet. And I agree yeah. with that wholeheartedly. Yep. Um so Big I'm time. giving uh I'm giving it two out of five smashed assholes. There you go. <laughs> I will say, like, you know what? I've watched plenty of bad movies that have nothing to say. So at the very least, this was talking about global warming at a time when that was, like, just becoming, like, you know, something to that we should have really been talking about. Yep. So good on them for that, you know? Like, that's – and again, got some heavy hitters in that cast. It's, it's a cast full of workhorses, like, people that they are not coming to fuck around. So, right. But uh, what I – they even – they make a note of this, that this movie came out are right around when they started marketing Independence Day. So, I mean, talk about stealing your thunder. You've got this kind of, you know, not, you know, huge budget movie. Although it was pretty big, like you said, for for 
what it turned 25 out. Twenty five million dollars is that's a lot to, in uh, 1996. Like that's, yeah. You know, yeah, not at all. I can't imagine that's how much budget. Independence Day's budget was. But look, I mean, those I remember when the Independence Day marketing came out, and I was just yeah. like. Yeah, so mm-hmm. again that might have had something to do with this movie uh performing poorly but there are many variables to why this movie did not do as well yeah as we'd hope it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's move on to brighter pastures, Andrew, and talk about 2016's arrival. This is the day they arrived. The object touched down 40 minutes ago. Mama, what's going to happen? I don't know. Dr. Banks, you're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Do you hear any words? Is that? Yes. Am I the only one having trouble saying aliens? To what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. They need to see me. Dr. Banks? Now that's a proper introduction. War objects have landed around the world. It's their language. Got 21 hours before they start global war. They're not our enemy. We need to talk to them. It's more complicated than that. How is it more complicated? Are you dreaming in their language? What does it say? Weapon. So how do we clarify their intentions? I go back in. What is she doing? You are committing an act of treason. Do you trust me? May I read the synopsis? Please. A linguist works with the military to communicate with alien life forms after 12 mysterious spacecraft appear around the world. Very straightforward. Denny Villanueva, Villanueva, I'm sure I'm pronouncing his last name incorrectly, but this is like... Yeah, I'm not sure. Dude dude has just got like hit after hit for the last like three, four movies he's made. Um, depending yeah, what do on we who you ask. But we've got Sicario, I believe, okay. um, was him. Um, we've got this... We've got Blade Runner 2049, and oh, now wow. we've got yeah, yeah. yeah. I and loved that got, movie. Love, love, loved it. Oh man, Ryan, I'm gonna I'm gonna out myself right now, and I intend to change this soon. I haven't seen it yet because I haven't seen the original. 
Blade Runner. That's fair. I, I dude, I'd never seen Blade Runner until about a month ago when uh, my girlfriend introduced it to me. And uh, nice. Ooh, yeah. Go watch it. Go watch it, nice. and then watch twenty forty nine. Twenty forty nine, dude. I was bawling my eyes out. I'll leave it. At oh, that. nice. I'm a sensitive awesome. guy to begin with, as my listeners very well know. But uh, <laughs> the fact that this director made that does not surprise me in the least. He just has a complete grasp on emotion and like yeah man profound profoundity is that a word i don't know sure sure yeah we'll say yes oh Um, he did uh he did he's doing the new dune movie i see right yes cool cool okay yeah man which looks pretty neat i gotta say and i'm never that's another one i like i'll out myself again i think last year i tried to watch the 80s dune and i was I was, I got stoned. I was like, it was like a day off. I was like, I'm just going to have a good time. Watch this movie that everybody always says crazy. I made it like 35 minutes in and didn't. I think I fell asleep or I might've just like turned it off and it was like, I'm going to do something <laughs> else. And I've never been able to get into those books because I've heard they're like, uh, like they're pretty dense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I just, yeah. Like, so the, the new one and you know, it looks like it might be have some more like action elements to it. Maybe I'll I, like, you know, people will get rightfully mad that like, it's just like, well, that's not what like, I don't know. I, I yeah. don't know enough. It looked good, man. And hey, Aquaman's in it. That's all I really care Boom. about. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, speaking of stacked casts, that thing is insane. Oof, I know. I know. Yeah. Ugh, I'm so happy the, all these movies got made before the pandemic because now we have so much For to real, look forward to, man. Ugh. Yeah. But, Even though, I mean, production's rather, there's plenty of things getting made right now. I will yeah. say, like, they they are really putting uh, <laughs> money over health right now, which, like, that's I a guess scary. do what you're going to do. Yeah. Like, but the anyway, we're not we here to do talk for about art. That. Yeah. Yeah. Arrayvo, now, based off a book, have you read the book? It's a short story by uh, Ted Chiang. Oh, okay. And I actually read it for the first time last night. Um, oh, was, nice. Yeah, I, I'd been hounded to read it for um, ever since the movie came out. And I just uh-huh. never did. But um, I read it last night after watching the movie. Maybe I should have done the opposite. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's like 40 pages, maybe. Um, okay. But, and I was, you know... The, I this is what I hate when you see a movie and then read the book. You've just got the actors in your mind. You've got sure. like what the director's vision was in your mind when you should be separating it completely. So um, is, but, is it different? Is it like a different kind of a take or is it relatively the same? It's relatively the same. Uh, there is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, I would definitely suggest reading it. It's, you know, nice. same premise and everything, obviously. Um, and out right. But yeah, there's some cool stuff in between that the movie doesn't touch on and vice versa. Okay. But, um, yeah, so based on the short story, and uh, oh, let's talk about the cast. We've got Amy Adams. Oh, yeah. Forrest we got Whitaker. Amy Adams, Forrest Wicker, Jeremy Renner, Hawkeye. Michael Stuhlbarg, baby. Woo! Who's that? Which one's that? Michael Stuhlbarg, he's the CIA agent. Poor yeah, man's dude, Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> I think he looks like Joaquin Phoenix. Am I wrong? Yo, no, I no, you're not, because I actually, back in 2008 or 2009, I saw a production of Hamlet in Central Park. It was uh, the public theater thing. I was able to, it was like one of those lucky times where I was able to get like those free tickets for that. Um, And he was the lead. He played Hamlet. Um, And he was much, he was much thinner then. Not that it matters. But I remember thinking at the time, like, man, this guy looks like Joaquin Phoenix. 
and not putting that together until later. Like I eventually saw him on a, he was on Boardwalk Empire. He was a big part of that show. And he kind of like blew up more significantly after that. Okay. Um, but he, yeah, I, I would agree. He looks, he looks very much like Joaquin Phoenix and he is a, a beast. Like <laughs> I love Michael Stuhlbarg. He's somebody who, if you get a chance, like I guarantee you probably already see a movie that he's been in where he shows up just kind of like owns and then leaves. Um, but he's, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was super, I, I kind of forgot that he was in that movie. And then um, when I saw it, when I was watching it last night, I was like, Oh, so I literally yelled Stuhlberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good to know. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw he, that production great. of uh, Hamlet as well, dude. That thing blew me. Oh, out. really? Yeah, yeah. Talk oh, about cool. Talk about changing the ending to something. Uh, we won't get into yes. it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to the plot. So we've got Amy Adams, Luis. She is a linguistics extraordinaire, I guess. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, teacher, expert, whatever, whatever you want to say. Yep, yep. And uh, we start with what we perceive as flashbacks of her and her daughter, and she's giving her daughter messages of, you know, memory is a strange thing. You know, we're all bound by time and, and the order of time and, and, uh, and whatnot. And yeah, we see that right in the beginning here, as we get these flashbacks that uh, her daughter is unfortunately diagnosed with a very rare disease and, right. and presumably passes away at some point. And then boom, we're put into the present time of when this movie starts. So yeah, this is, this is interesting. She goes into class at her college to teach her class and right away, something's up, you know, everyone's phones start dinging all at the same time. So that's never a good thing. Clearly right. something's going on. There's either an active shooter on campus or a, a uh, natural disaster is about to happen. Something, something's going on. And um, we learn that something or some things have landed on the planet. So yeah, boom. We, yeah, we don't waste much time getting into what's No, in you really don't. I mean, the movie itself, I mean, it's so wonderfully constructed. First of all, it, it's a little less than two hours and it makes such good use of that time. Um, there's very little fat. Everything is leading us towards the end game. And it's something where I almost wish, because there's a big twist in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get to it. Yeah. Um, and I can only kind of remember what it was like watching it the first time without knowing the twist. Um, but watching it the second time, it's almost like experiencing a, de- a completely different film. And this is probably like maybe the third or fourth maybe even fifth time I've seen it because I saw it twice in theaters. I saw it originally. And then a friend of mine was going to like a SAG screening where I actually got to, um, uh, uh, there was a talk back with Amy Adams afterwards. And I got to ask her a question. Um, Like it was, so it's, I, 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 I love, I absolutely love this movie. And there's little things that you pick up on each time that you don't necessarily pick on up, up, up on before. And because right. of course it's like in sixth sense or, or anything you're now looking for, because it's a good movie, there are clues to the ending. If anything, they're telling you the ending throughout the movie. Um, Absolutely. Oh, it's just so yeah. well <laughs> structured. It's, it's I can't wonderful, believe. man. Yeah. yeah. It's well structured. It's incredibly shot. It's when they're doing the first, like, so she gets picked up by the government to go, 
because they're contacting these aliens and they don't know how to talk to them. And she helped them translate some Farsi a couple years before. Mm-hmm. And she still has classified, uh, uh, cl- uh, high classified clearance or whatever. So they ask her to, and at first they don't like, she tells them that she needs to go there and they're like, no, we're going to use somebody else. And when she finds out who it is, she asks them like this interpretation question. I, I wish I could remember specifically what it was right now. Um, yeah, it was like a certain word. And what does something mean, mean in Sanskrit? Um, yeah. And uh, it was basically the guy, like the guy who answered it for them had a more violent answer, if I right. remember correctly. Like, right. um, so she's brought in, and the first time that they're flown over in the helicopter and they're looking at the ship, and the first time we see it up close, is uh. one of the most beautiful shots I have that ring in any movie. Yeah, it's just, oh. you get this wide landscape. It's in Montana, I believe, is where they are. I think so. I um, think so. So you see the first craft in, like, in the shot, and it's, this mist is rolling over, and it's just oh. so, it, that's, gorgeous. when I first saw this in theaters, that was the moment where I was like, this is unlike any alien movie I have ever seen. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is art. This is high art at its best. Yes. And, yep. um, well, let's, uh, so Forrest Whitaker plays the colonel who hires her. Um, yes. One, one question I do have, and this okay. is neither a criticism nor a concern. It was just something, what's going on with his accent? I don't know. That's one of the yeah, most people have. Yeah. I, I was just like, is he from Boston? Is he from like? It's I couldn't so tell. Weird. And I, yeah, and I'm just like, maybe it's a Montana accent that I just have never like. You know, I don't think I've ever been to Montana, so maybe I just didn't recognize <laughs> it. But I thought it was so strange. Uh, um, it was weird. But, um, but oh, that's like a minor gripe. A minor in this movie, in my opinion, has minor, 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 if any. Minor, but uh, we'll minor, get to that. For real. But. Uh, well, okay, so we have the craft in Montana, but we should mention we learned that there's 12 of these craft. Yes, yes. Placed throughout the world. We don't know why, why they are, where they are, what's in them, what purpose they're there for. So that's what we're trying to figure out. And that's why they hire mm-hmm. this linguistics communication person is let's right. not immediately assume they are going to destroy us, but that is the military's job to protect us. So. Yeah, yep. let's let's figure this shit out. And um, well, and I will say, I was happy that, like, listen, we don't have to get into current events too much. But one of the things that is like uh, one of the things that's wonderful about this movie is it's very hopeful. And one of the things that's terrible about these this movie is that now we are we live in such a world where we have now been proven. It's been shown how we as a country would react in a situation like this, in yeah. a situation where there is a possible world-ending scenario or a, like whatever. Um, obviously, what's going on right now is not as serious as if 12 giant spacecraft landed and started hovering over certain areas. <laughs> but it's not hard to think that based on how we are reacting to things currently, that there are people that would just um, assume um, that these things don't aren't real. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people that would try to like fly planes in them. There are people, there would be way more, like we would have to stop attacks on these way more regularly, like just from like Joe Schmo in the middle of nowhere who doesn't want to believe, like it's just, there's so much of a more hostile reaction. And it's not like we don't get elements of that in this movie, but the actual, I unfortunately, how we are in real life would have been much more like things would have gone much more poorly than right. they do in this movie. That's a good point. Bottom line. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. The movie is very timely, which is interesting, too, because mm-hmm. the short story was written long before the movie came out. And also, the, oh, movie, really? the movie came out, I want to say, within weeks, maybe a month or so of um, the most you know, contentious election in like American history. Yeah. A very interesting time for this movie to come out. Okay. So 12 of these objects are all all over the world. People start panicking, like you mentioned um, a little bit. And this is interesting. They get the press secretary um, on the news say, regardless, we have protocol for situations like this. And I'm like, wait, hold on. What? What? So I go and I'm like, is this just in the fictitious world that this writer created? And no, and I should have known this as a UFO wow. guy. And there have been rumblings of it. But yeah, supposedly there is uh, military briefings from the 1950s outlining potential military responses to alien contact. It's called the, the seven phases to contact. You know, it's rumor, it's speculation. But yeah, it's interesting to think, yes, our governments do have somewhat protocol for things like this but we know the minute it actually happens that that's going to be thrown out the window as we right. see in a pandemic we were told we had protocol for the pandemic and clearly we did not so yeah yeah very interesting uh dichotomy there but um yeah, yeah. I, I, I and to see how things are reacting like it's it, it starts what i love is like you know we see it's a very like clean operation then we see that they are like following protocol and things like that and communicating with other countries where this is happening. And I love that it like kind of starts that way. And then things start to dovetail out of control. Once we're actually getting information from these people, like she starts doing her job and ironically enough, that's when things start to go wrong in their eyes. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, okay. So let's get to into what she's doing and with who. So we have uh, a astrophysicist who's played by Jeremy Renner. His character name is mm-hmm. Ian, and he's being brought on because, yeah, we need someone there who can theoretically tell us how, possibly how they got here and um, what we might be dealing with in terms of the physical craft they're in or uh, and stuff like that. So I thought it was really interesting. I think the military did a good job of bringing in someone who needs to decipher how to communicate and someone who might decide how these things uh, got here and stuff like that. So, um, right. Yeah. What did you think of Jeremy Renner's character when you first, when he first came out? I, I liked him and I liked that. Like, I mean, he's, he's instantly trying. It was honestly one of those things where I was like, you know, what, Jeremy Renner's a good actor. He's not bad. <laughs> like, yeah. No. Yeah. Like he's, he is somebody who I think does what needs to be done for this role. Is it a little bit more of a straightforward role? Absolutely. But what I like is he's got like this kind of heart and humanity to him that it make him like appealing as a character. Like, you know what I mean? Like he is somebody who you understand why they would get together, why he's like a good choice for this. And you understand why, um, I, I mean, I love the idea that they're bringing in like uh, a, a scientist as well. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed him. And I enjoyed that character, especially because it's like it's second fiddle. And that's like that's something for somebody who's an established actor to take a role like that. Like, you know, men aren't always like that is not to, not all men or whatever bullshit. But it's uh, like, obviously, I don't mean that. But it's just like he was an established star. And he took on this role, even though it's like it's a support system. It's a yeah. support role. Um, yeah, I like, think that's and, a testament and, to uh, he probably was like, this is a good script. 
Yeah, man. And in, it's something where, like, you know, we're never really hearing his side of it, especially when things get in more into detail about their life together or their life after this. Mm-hmm. We don't ever really get his side of things. It's all about her, but he took it on anyway. So it's just night, like, yeah, I really, I thought, like, I just thought it really worked. And he's got some of the last lines in the movie. And it's something, it's this speech that could almost in the hands of a lesser actor would have come across as very hokey and cheesy, yeah. and it wasn't. So, I, so yeah, I really enjoyed Jeremy Renner in this movie, and I liked um, I liked the role that he played, um, not just like in a literal sense, but like the role that his character played in that movie and how it, it, it um, laid out. And he's much more important than we think, uh, but we'll, yes. we'll get to that as it unravels. But um, mm-hmm. let's see. Oh, this was another interesting thing. So, okay, so now we need these two to go to the craft and try to communicate with whatever's in the craft. But what I thought was interesting is they show like someone in like either a containment thing or a body bag. I can't tell which, but they ask like, what happened to this guy? And the, the army doctor says, look, this is some people just cannot process this. And that hit me so hard, man. Cause I'm like, yeah, what if you were hired to be the first to ever make contact with aliens, like face to face, not through radio waves as Zane would do, but like literally go up into a craft and talk to these things. And the human mind, I could imagine with a lot of people just simply could not do that. Right. Yeah. yeah so that no, really and, puts and, it and, into like, you know, perspective of how weighty this actually is. Yeah. And it's something too, where you, you st- it's a bit of foreshadowing as well to see some of the problems that they're going to face with other people. So it's, I, I was, I was, I, I liked that, like that nice little tease. And we see elements of her, like, you know, things don't go great the first time they go up there. They right. see these things, these, when we see these aliens for the first time and you only kind of get a glimpse of them at first. And I love their design too. Like I love, like, I, I hate giving credit to H.P. Lovecraft. I know he did great work, but he also called his cat the N-word. And like Super racist. Like I know. I know. <laughs> horrible racist. Like a horrible racist. And it's always funny when I see people try to... Ex- I read an article the other day that was trying to excuse his racism. Like, he was nice to some people. And it's like, no. Like, I'm sorry. So is Hitler. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, he, he, like he, uh, did he cause physical harm to other people? Not that we know of. Did he make his racism part of his identity and are most uh, brown people in his books described as swarthy and gross? Yes. So it's, I, I, I whatever. However, <laughs> uh, his big thing was that in his opinion, aliens aren't, weren't alien enough. Even in the early 1900s and the stories that were told, they're always like bipedal and they look like they're humanoid. Um, so I loved to see, the aliens in this movie be like, I, I don't like yeah. it's something that we wouldn't be able to wrap our heads around. I don't right. know what I would do if I saw something like that in real life. Dude, I, I don't mean, even understand how, how does it breathe? How does it move? How do they communicate? I... Like, it's just, it's, it's something where it's not an easy, it's not an easy answer. Whereas like in the arrival, you know, it's like, Ooh, their knees bend backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, like that. Even that's, <laughs> even, even that's uh, imaginative. Usually we get just, yeah. These- humanoid figures or these little gray aliens with big heads and black eyes so i mean the arrival at least they tried a little something different but then arrival like boom you're right this is like 
this is the epitome of the word alien. It's so foreign to us and so not mm-hmm. human uh, that, wow, it was, and I'm sure, I think I read somewhere, they went through so many art concepts to create these aliens and what they would look mm-hmm. like because the, the short story doesn't describe them that well. So it really oh, was put into a, I mean, they were definitely heptopod in the way that like they sure. have seven, seven feet or legs or whatever, however you want to define that. But um, other than that, man, I, I would love to see all the different concepts they came up with, but uh, I think they're yeah. like something truly unique in this one for sure. Uh, yeah, but that's man. the other thing, dude, like first seeing these things, it probably was not what they expected at all. Or if they expected anything, what would you expect when you're first? They didn't brief them, which I think is weird. They didn't like psychologically prepare these two for what they were about to see. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. I think it is like it's something where they it's almost like time is of the essence kind of a situation because there's a competition aspect to this as well, where the countries you're trying to figure out and it, yeah, it, yeah. it, it ex- exposes like something that's like a very real problem, I would think. Um, where it's just like, ooh, some people like are trying to figure out things before other people, um, right? And trying to be the ones to get these answers. So I, 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 I understand. Like it's almost like they ease them in. It's like, all right, every time that thing opens, you're going to go up there and talk to them and like try to communicate with them. The first time, we don't even see the full interaction. Like they see it, and then they're brought down to be like cleaned off or whatever. And she like she's like kind of jittery, and Jeremy Renner just blows jokes. Like I was like, that's pretty fantastic. That's what I would have done. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, okay. So now we've got like this this kind of um, regiment set up where these two are going to try to find out how can we communicate with this and figure out why they're here. That's the big question. Why are they here? What do they want? And that remains the way it is in the real world here. You know, we had a secret Pentagon Mm -hmm. UFO program and their sole purpose was to figure out if these UFOs that our Navy are witnessing and our military, are they a threat? And of course, to they will always remain a potential threat because we don't know what they are. Right. Who's in control of them. So I understand every side of this movie. I understand Forrest Whitaker as a military person. I understand her as a linguist. I under it makes perfect sense, and I think this movie just uh, does it so so brilliantly. Um, oh, okay. So now she's trying to teach these aliens words, like the human interactions, like how we do things. Right. So, what did you think of this whole concept of like how I she liked- did this? I like that, like, it brought us into that world a little bit. Something that I like, and you don't always have to do this, because it's not an easy thing to do without boring your audience, but they were they had simple enough explanations as to why she was doing the things that she done it, did. And, like, like, funny enough, we are kind of Forrest Whitaker in that situation, where he she has to explain to him why she's doing needs to do things the way that she's doing, and through that, she's explaining it to us as well and we find out like oh like you know we find out about like what a linguist would be doing like what she would be doing in this situation to try to communicate with these things how you have to break down like okay i can't even like ask them a question unless i they know i know they what know a question what a question is. is oh my yes. god yeah like something i would You're never like, think about yeah like when she breaks down that one sentence though what is your purpose here or whatever 
um it like the the ways that she breaks it down i was like it's smart it's interesting it's well explained like there's so much of it where i was like yeah this is like you know this is what it's about and this it made the movie more interesting and it helped it rest on something that felt tangible and yeah i i I loved all of that stuff like Uh. i i thought it was so well done and again and then like the difference between an amy adams and a charlie sheen and you know maybe charlie sheen and i've actually never seen platoon so maybe in platoon he makes a very believable soldier or something like you know what like the guy was famous for a reason don't have to get into that but his character in the arrival does not know like does not seem like he really knows what he's talking about when he talks about astronomy Amy Adams in this movie, I believe every fucking word that she says. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, like, like she really, I, like it felt like she studied this stuff. Like it just feels natural to her and how she's explaining it. Right. Um, and I, I remember reading, they had like several world renowned linguists come in to, uh, see, to that's contribute. Awesome. Yeah. So that, that right there. Um, yeah. And like this other idea too, like you mentioned this one sentence she breaks down, like mm-hmm. what is your intentions here? Like, and she, she what? focuses on the word your, like, we don't know. We don't want to know the individual alien. Why you're here. We want right. to know as a race. Why are you here? So that, right. again, it's just so brilliantly done. Everything into an ear. I have to explain to a room full of men whose first and last question is how can this be used against us? So you're going to have to give me more than that. Kangaroo. What is that? In 1770, Captain James Cook's ship ran aground off the coast of Australia and he led a party into the country and they met the Aboriginal people. One of the sailors pointed at the animals that hop around and put their babies in their pouch and he asked what they were and the Aborigines said, kangaroo. And the point is? It wasn't until later that they learned that kangaroo means I don't understand, so... I need this so that we don't misinterpret things in there. Otherwise, this is going to take 10 times as long. I can show that for now. But I need you to submit your vocabulary words before the next session. And remember what happened to the Aborigines. A more advanced race nearly wiped them out. It's a good story. Thanks. It's not true. But it proves my point. So Mm -hmm. we get these montages of like, they're slowly learning how to communicate with these aliens who use mm-hmm. a really interesting way of communicating. And that's this like almost like squid ink because they have these yes. tentacle like things that produces this ink that turns into a mist and makes these circles with all different splatters. So it's like, whoa, like this is interesting. Not how we would ever imagine communicating, but um, wow, we get the concept of the, um, the Zephyr Wharf hypothesis which is uh Mm -hmm. the language you speak determines how you think and we don't think about that we always think the words come first when in reality like how we describe something or whatnot determines our way of thinking of it like a color you know there's a billion different versions of yellow but then when you say the word then it then it produces the image in your head oh god i just this stuff goes so deep it really does yeah. And, and and what I love, too, is, like, our first breaking moment is you start to see, like, I love when they take off their suits for the first time because she's like, they have to see me. And she walks up to them and, like, she does it and they're like, should we abort? And they're like, no, keep going. And then Jeremy Redner does it and the guys are like, permission to abort? Like, can we leave, please? <laughs> like, and they're just like, no, stay. 
Um, but to see that guy, like the guy who gives them their like badges and who introduces introduces them first, we start to see his slow mental break with what's going on and how he feels scared. And then like we have our first bit of um action quote unquote and this yeah. is not an action movie by any stretch of the imagination oh no this is God. a slow it's burn just not yeah yep um but he like he does this um uh he takes it upon himself after talking to his wife like you see or not himself there's several of them these soldiers that are just like we're gonna blow this thing up because it's not good like they, they're scared of it because they yeah. don't understand it and it's because there's also they like she interprets the word weapon at first because yes. like language yeah, yeah, is yeah. tricky um through these things um so he like to see that happen and to see the aftermath of that it's something and then you start to see all the country like the weapon thing gets out and other countries start shutting down and like not talking to each other just on this one word that they're one not word. even a hundred percent sure of yet. Right. It's just, I thought, I thought like, again, that stuff is just so grounded and feels so real in this unrealistic situation. Exactly. Um, I yeah. just love it. And, and we also get to like, not to go over too much, but the, um, I, we, when she first analyzes the way they're communicating with her, these circular squid ink things, she starts to have flashes of her daughter. Yes, yes, please. Yeah, touch on that. Yeah, and it's what's so wonderful about it is if you're watching it, and this is the way the movie plays out, when you're watching it initially, um, just to kind of get into the big twist here, is when you're watching it initially, you're thinking like, oh, she's having flashbacks of this daughter of hers that died of this awful disease. But that's not the case. Yep. She's seeing, because when she learns this language, she gains the ability to see the future. So oh, the first God. time she's really, and not even as, like they say see the future, but I feel like it's so much deeper than that. She's experiencing time all at once, essentially. Yeah. And that's the way their language plays out. So when she sees this, the first time she's experiencing this language and really digging into it, we see those powers and those gifts start to manifest. Mm -hmm. But when you first watch the movie, you think that she's just having visions of her daughter who already passed. Memories. But in actuality, yeah, when you're rewatching it, you're like, holy shit, the first time she looks at that language, the powers start to, like, she starts to see into the future. Um, And I just think it's so, it's so well made. It's so subtly done. Um, in that aspect, like the way they handle that twist and the way that it plays out, like it's they they leave just enough breadcrumbs for you to where you don't like. I like I when the little when the daughter they have a flash or a, a, a flash forward of the daughter asking the question about the zero sum game, mm-hmm. and she's and she's like, "Ask your father; he's a scientist." I can't remember. Um, if that was, I'm having a hard, cause Joy was telling me that that wasn't the time when I first realized it. Cause I talked like we had talked about it before, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I love the way that that plays out. And there's some, there's certain times where I think at a certain point you're like, Oh duh, this is it. Mm-hmm. But now like, yeah, I just, I thought it's a, it's just a beautifully done twist and it's incredibly impactful to the story as a whole. But Which then it opens up some crazy questions in my mind. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Then we, we start dealing with um, about last night. You end up where we all do when time plays a big part in a movie. Right. Is you're going to have endless debate on it. And that's completely understandable. Um, well, yeah, you know, bringing it back to the 
the sort of circular nature of their language, it, it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just a concept that we create here on earth, which yeah. is time and that it is malleable. And, you know, there's, yep. she even brings up as a linguistics person, you know, nonlinear orthography, which is language has no forwards or backwards. That's why she right. named her daughter eventually as a palindrome, Hannah, mm-hmm. you know, same backwards and forwards. And it's, just the way they deal with all these things. It really is. It really uh, is, man. Let's rein it in a little in terms of, I guess, how the plot is playing out. So they, like you said, we get the word weapon from them and other countries start freaking out and everyone's like, oh God, like, what does this mean? And this is when, you know, these rogue military guys decide we're going to blow up the ship here in Montana. And uh, we get uh, Ian and Luis go into the craft not when they're supposed to, to talk to the, the aliens. Right. And the bomb has been set in the craft by these rogue military guys. And what happens, the aliens literally forcefully get Luis and Ian out of the direction of the explosion and presumably mm-hmm. save their lives. But boom, now we have a whole nother level to this. We have now provoked an act of war on these aliens that we still don't know why they're here. And uh, yeah. And what I love too is they don't leave; nope. they just raise like a mile higher. In oh the sky. my! Talk about a and flex, I, dude. <laughs> yes, yeah. And Forrest Whitaker's got that great line of he's just like, "Why does this feel worse?" Like right. this, it, like it's 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 such a like, and it's true. It's and it's also almost a way of them going like, "Bro, we're not trying to hurt you guys." Like, yeah, yeah. We're trying <laughs> um, to communicate. Uh, we're trying. Yep. And you're right. It like it was maybe I don't know, maybe hundred feet off the ground originally, and now it's right. like a mile and a half up. So yep. it is. It's like the most uh, mentally psychological warfare at its finest. Like, well, nice try, but we're not done yet. We still have more to communicate to you. In which they do. So I just I um, oh here's another moment I really liked. I love when. Luis has this really intimate conversation with Ian while the craft is just floating in the background. And it's just like, it's the dichotomy of humans interacting while an alien craft is present attempting communication. And then we have these two humans communicating about like, Oh, I, I'm not so good with women, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And it's just, I love this moment. You've just got a UFO floating in the background and these two are having the most like human conversation that turns out to be something much more powerful than just like a yeah, dude. like flirtation or whatnot. But um I loved that. But uh this is when we get um all the countries who have been in really good communication and trying to decipher each craft in each region and what it's doing, what they've discovered, uh everyone starts to disconnect and go offline and stop talking. To right. Yeah. And it's because China and Russia do it first i guess yeah. and the u.s is just like well we gotta we gotta do it now like it's 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 it becomes this like pissing contest in this very serious situation yep um and it's uh it, yeah it just bums me out like <laughs> that was the moment in the film where i'm like this is how this would play out in real life and it fucking yeah. depresses the hell out of me yeah i literally i turned to joy i was just like and this is fictional like this is not a real thing and i was just like this fucking sucks like yeah. I just like I was I get so enthralled when I watch this movie that it feels like that stuff is just happening. God. Okay. So 
all the countries stopped communicating when, with one another. Clearly, China is taking a very aggressive stance. And if they do not figure out why these things are here, they're going to assume it's not good and they're going to attack. So this right. is scary, man. Now we have might have a, a war on our hands. And uh, mm-hmm. America, and more specifically this location in Montana, they want to evacuate the entire operation. And uh, Luis is like, no, we have to go back and deal with this. Like, we have to continue the work we've done so much on um, with these before that happens. So she kind of goes rogue herself. She goes out to the craft, and the craft sends down a pod to get her because it's like a mile up now. And, uh, oh, man, what do you think of this? Well, and this is the moment where I first really thought about this is – I, and this is always the tough, there's no right answer to this. Let me say that right away. Um, but this is like a Dr. Manhattan kind of question, like a predetermination type thing. Is She has visions of herself going out and a pod coming down and picking up, and then herself in the ship. So she envisions those things happening. So because she has those visions, she goes out so that pod can pick her up. So the question is, like, did she have a choice? Did she, she does this because she did it already. Like, and that starts to get into that, that plays a little bit with the end game too, which we'll get into a little bit later, like in a minute. But I, yeah, like that was the first moment where I was like, huh, like she must have already done it or else she wouldn't be having those visions. Or so did she? Does she have a choice? she's having visions of the future right. already. So it's like, ah, that's, again, this is where it's like there's so much left yep. to interpretation, which is yeah, what man. language is all about. Um, mm-hmm. So presumably, let's say she did get up there. She's actually beyond the glass or beyond the separation that has been there this yes. time. And she is in there with uh, who we've deemed Abbott and Costello, according to uh, Jeremy's right. character, which I love. Um, Except just uh, just Abbott. Just Abbott, Costello right? Costello was killed in the in the explosion. Right. Costello is in death process, is what the yeah. Says yep. here. Um, mm-hmm. So now, man, we're getting subtitles from our heptapods. So we're at yeah, we're dude. at next level communication now. She is yep. directly talking to them without you know converting anything or the symbols. Like, ah, oh, it's gorgeous. Like she's having a full on conversation with with mm-hmm. the heptapod and um let, let's get let's just let's dive in because this is the moment where we start to get some big reveals what is yeah. that they communicate to her um that she has so they communicate that we're here to help they were there to help the humans because in three thousand years humans are going to help them mm-hmm. um and they say to her that they they're like she has this gift to see the future because of her ability to read the language it's like once you're able to read and i think it's implied this way anyway is that once you're able to read the language you basically start seeing time differently so um once she realizes that and she has these flashes of this daughter she's like who is this girl like who is this daughter that i keep having flashes of and that's when they tell her she can see the future so it's a daughter she hasn't had yet and uh, it's uh, just it's just heartbreaking, and especially rewatching those scenes too. Like I said, because there's some moments where you're like, any time when you're rewatching the movie and you see one of these flash forwards happen, you realize like she knows. Yeah, she yeah. knows the entire time she has this daughter that this girl is not going to live past like 14, 15 years old. Right. 
and it's and to make that like to still go through with it, and that's where I start to get so. Uh, so anyway, so she said that she can see the future. Uh, they tell her she can see the future, and she's sent back down, and she tries to communicate with China. She takes the CIA guys. Special so, cell phone that he's had. I wish I want one of those things, man. That's, <laughs> right. um, uh, general, she, the general of China's army yeah. and speed dial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not even just speed dial either. It's that she has a vision of the future. And again, we get into the predetermination things where she's at this party when everything has worked out. Right. And when she's at this party, the general, the general from China approaches her and says, like, it's 18 months later and that he knew that he needed to, the only reason he came there was to see her. And she's, he gives her his cell phone number, his phone number to his private phone. Right. Because he tells her, you called my phone. He's, she's like, I don't have your number. And he shows it to her. He's like, now you do. And he's like, you also told me my wife's dying words. Mm -hmm. And he tells her the words 18 months in the future. And because of that, she's able to tell him that over the phone when this happens, even though they're like under threat of death and treason and all this stuff from the military. And then, so she calls China and then she, she says this dude's words to him. And then the next thing you know, it cuts to a moment. And it, this moment, like I'm even getting choked up thinking about it right now. Um, <laughs> uh, you start to see these TV screens pop up and you find out that every, like things have worked. Like everybody's decided to work together now. Yeah. Like they're going to start sharing information. They're going to start communicating. And because of that, the aliens leave. Like, and what's beautiful about that is it's not even like the aliens were like, there is a pressing issue right now. It's like, no, it's almost like a, a, a more advanced bill and Ted. It's just like, listen, right. if you guys start, if you guys start working together now, the future will be a better place. And it's like, it's so simple, but it's so effective. Yeah. Um, and you find out that Jeremy Renner was her daughter, is her daughter's father, like father in the future. Mm -hmm. um, and that he left because he finds out from her that he, like, that she, she knew this was going to happen. Yeah, would die. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. decided to have the daughter anyway. And I will say, like like I said, you have these great moments where Jeremy Renner says, like, you know what? I thought the most surprising thing about being here would be the aliens, but it's, it was meeting you. <laughs> and, like, you, I know, dude. And that's just, like, fucking, again, in, a, in the hands of a lesser actor, that would have sounded real corny. But it exactly. just, he does it real well. And then you have this moment where you find out, like, you see to the moment, like, he asks her, do you want to make a baby? And she says, yes. And I love that moment. And I think it's beautiful. And that's like where the movie ends, kind of like where it begins, because we see that house in the beginning. <laughs> and I will say now, this is like where we'll get a little heavy predetermination wise is, did she have a choice in that moment? Yeah, that's the question. That, that's I think that's what really that's right? one like, of the biggest questions with all these time sort of yeah. ideas of time and concepts of time is like what is determined what is not um you know if the the general of the chinese army uh general shang if he gave her his phone number in the future and then we go back and she remembers the number and calls and blah 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 like again it's so non-linear and circular right. like their language that it's like mm -hmm. what is choice what is free will what is predestined right. but does it even matter you know right. I, I, like we could spend our entire lives questioning if destiny exists or not or fate uh yeah 
when in and reality we're I just mean, living it. Right. And I mean, in this one, though, she's seeing visions of, a, of the future where she had that daughter. And, it, and it's, it's almost like she has the daughter because, like, it's just, again, like, we could go on and on, but it was the first time that it really hit, that really hit me last night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I just love, it's just got this very simple ending where she's just like, she says yes. And, and it's, that's like, that's kind of where it ends, where she chooses to live this life anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just beautiful. It's just, a, and the, the, the soundtrack, like Joy brought up a wonderful point, like the soundtrack, like it's so minimalist leading up. And then it's just got these big swells of music towards mm-hmm. the end. Um, that just really paint this full, it's this full picture of just a core, like just a gorgeous movie. It is. It is. I just the love score it. I was absolutely love it. The score was beautiful, like you said. Um, I, I don't know who the composer is, but um, just everything. You're right. The cinematography, beautiful. The acting, spot on. The, mm-hmm. the concepts, the questions, the... Um, oh, God. I, um, I, I cry every time I watch this because, like you Same. said, it, it will mean something different to everyone. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing this in theaters and... Uh, I was with my girlfriend and she was just bawling her eyes out. And when we left, I said, well, Oh my God, well, that was so emotional and powerful. And she, she, I was like, is that what made you cry? And she was like, no, it just made me so sad. And I was like, I left the theater being like, but I feel so happy and hopeful. I think it was beautiful. But again, I think that's, what's awesome is everyone finds small moments in this movie that is going to mean something special to them. Right. Like if you knew your child was going to die, uh, would you still have the child? And that's right. Look, many parents have struggled with that choice, I'm sure, in their lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a big question, you know? Like, if you knew what was going to yeah. happen tomorrow, how does it affect you today and how you live your life? And, um, oh, God. And I, I would argue, I think it's the movie is sad because it's so hopeful. You know what I mean? Like we we just we don't live in that kind of world, unfortunately. And at the time, unfortunately, like I would even argue that when the movie came out, it felt more within grasp. Um, yeah. But I, I like uh, since then, it's just gone further away from from that kind of hopefulness of what humanity is capable of. Um, and like, don't get me wrong, this is humanity under extreme circumstances. But you know, we're in pretty fucking extreme circumstances right now, and we're not doing great. So I'd have to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's (sighs) something where like you watch it and you're just like, well, shit, I want like, you know, it's a movie. So of course things work out a little bit easier, but like, it's just like a nice resolution like that would be wonderful. (laughs) But as we learn, the older we get, life doesn't seem to wrap up that way. But um, I don't know. What do you think, man? I'm giving this seven out of seven heptapods. I think this is a perfect. I think that's, I think that's an accurate rating. I would agree. I, I would yeah. agree. I really like, you know, there's, there's, I, I, every time, every time I watch it, I have fewer complaints. Yeah. Like, and, and not that I had complaints really to begin with. Like this time, the most I had was, I was like, yeah, Forrest Whitaker's accent's kind of funny. That's it. <laughs> and that is, that is small potatoes. Cause I just think everything else about it, it I, I agree, adds up to it as like pretty much a perfect movie. Like yeah. I just love it. Well, I can only watch this like once every two years now because it's that powerful. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to let it lay, lay for a while. You really do. Unlike The Arrival. <laughs> Which we're, ooh, two times a year, baby, from here on out. Easy. Every six months. <laughs> I need more Kiki. I need more Kiki in my life. 
Oh man, this was a marathon, but hey, it brother, was. I uh I appreciate you taking the time not just to do this today, but to watch these two movies and I to mean, it uh, was my pleasure. All of it led me to it, it's it's I was Amy Adams in the sense that I was like, I know if I watch these movies, I get to talk to Ryan about them. So I'm gonna watch them. <laughs> this was all meant to happen. See exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um well Andrew, before we go, before we leave today, I have to ask, what are you up to? Where can we find everything you're doing? Tell us all sure. about what's coming up for Andrew Sanford. Let's see. If you are, um, uh, again, I've been writing for uh, Pajiva.com, which is a wonderful website. There's stuff on there that's much better than what I'm doing for them. Um, <laughs> but just check that out, P-A-J-I-B-A. Um, I love that website. Um, uh, so it's a pleasure to be amongst a lot of really talented writers. Um, I, uh, if you're like anybody, I think it has to have like a certain kind of coverage, but a lot of my screenplay stuff is on coverfly.com. So if there's some industry professionals that just happen to be listening right now, <laughs> um, go ahead, check that out. Um, of course, I have the backlog of Half White Son of a Black Man. We haven't been back yet, but the old episodes are there. You can still listen to them, including plenty with you some shocktober ones and um we're not going to do shocktober as per usual this year which is when i usually just throw out the purpose of my podcast and talk about horror movies uh because we're not doing the podcast proper what i'm going to do instead and ryan i'll just like officially invite you to do this now uh, with me is i'm going to uh one movie one guest and we're going to talk about it on instagram live pretty much like oh, my cool. total like 45 minute to 55 minute segments talk to somebody about a movie that we just watched um I'm, I, so i'll be hitting you up about that soon but if you want to follow along with that um my name is it's because i didn't understand at the time how instagram worked when i first started it it's half white under it's half white son of a black man but there's underscores in between each word um but it's pretty it's pretty easy to find me out there um and yeah, so stay tuned for that. I love, I was just like, man, I love me some horror movies. I'm not going to let this pandemic stop me from, like, I might not be able to do the podcast right now, but I'm still going to, like, talk to some friends and people I respect about horror movies. So be on the lookout for that. Awesome, man. Yeah. Hey, we need communication now more than ever if Arrival mm -hmm. has taught us anything um, <laughs> we we all i i know people out there probably people listening myself included like it's so easy to feel very alone and trapped right now yeah. and out of control of of your life and what's going on but just know that there's always someone out there to listen uh as all of you have done with us today god bless everyone listening to this yeah for this, real uh, yo if you made it all the way to end the end to the end of this like you yeah. like both of these movies or you like hearing us talk or you're, you're trying to make sure you have all your ducks in a row before you give a shit on Twitter later. So <laughs> exactly. either way, either way, props to you. But um, <laughs> this has been an epic arrival showdown. I hope everyone enjoyed. Andrew, stay safe, brother. I will talk to you soon. And My thank life, you buddy. once again for coming on Somewhere in the Skies. Uh, thank you. My pleasure.
Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Actually, I look like a can of smashed assholes. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.